This podcast is brought to you by JList.com. Guys and girls, we all love our Pokemon. And JList and JBox.com has a ton of Pokemon-related merchandise, including all sorts of plushies. And we all love our cute little soft plushies. Pretty much any version of Eevee you could want. Pikachu, Snorlax, Cubone, Mew. Some of the cutest Charmanders, Bulbasaur's, and Squirtles you're ever going to see. And of course, who could forget about Psyduck? In different versions, they have Moon Yumaru and normal plushie versions available, and neck pillows for those of you that like to have a nice supported neck when you're traveling. All for $17 or less, and some as low as $10. So head over to JList or JBox.com right now and check out their huge selection of Pokemon-related per- merchandise. Again, that's JList or JBox.com. And now it's time to start the podcast. Let's go ahead and go with our expectations. What were your expectations going in? I'll go first. Go first. First of all, I'm on Team Yang, so you know. Hell uh, yes! Yang crew, assemble! Yeah. yeah. Yep. We fought for your democracy, Mason! Get out of here! I mean, listen. He took his headphones off. Listen. It's because your eyes and your heart are clouded over. Are they? Uh, that's what they said in the show. You are listening to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Make your anime addiction worse at aaapodcast.com. And now, here are your anime addicts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 521st episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. My name is Mason, and I'm in charge of steering the party wagon today. With me are three fine turtles. With me is our Michelangelo of the group, Enzo. How's it going, my friend? Yep. What's up, fam? It's going good. I'm just happy to be doing the podcast. It's a blessing to have this interaction with y'all, man. Hope I hope everyone's good and healthy on this day when you're listening that's it next up we have our donatello mandy how's it going why am i donatello because mm. he's got a cool staff because that's how it oh, be, be? <laughs> i i have a good i have a good staff guys man you got a good staff. let me impress you with my staff mm, show them that staff dude <laughs> michelangelo is always my favorite though Isn't i am me? i am sad it's it's just how it be Aww. And mm-hmm. finally, the leader, the most turtle-esque among us with that chrome dome, mm. Splinter that himself, chrome-dome. Mitsugi, how's it going? You say I'm Splinter? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kawabunga, d- oh, no, no, Splinter oh, would be like, well. oh, no, you know do Kawabunga, oh, no. Oh, oh, no, you know Kawabunga. No, no. You, you eat your it. pizza. Mm, no it's pizza good. It's good. Mm-hmm. And despite this off-the-wall intro, we are here actually to make your anime addiction so much worse. You can find us so at aapodcast.com slash join where you can see not only these great, you know, anime 
episodes, but also our hentai episodes, our hobby addicts, after parties, hundreds and hundreds of bonus content for you to take place in if you want, where you can also follow us on social media. We have a Twitch where people watch us live on Sundays at 5 p.m. EST on Facebook or the, where the coolest kids go, which is Discord, which you can find a link to at the top of our main website, which has all sorts of watch parties and chats and clubs and happenings to keep you occupied in this time. Uh, you for- know... Yeah, go ahead. You know, I, w- I, w- I went on the Discord last night at like midnight, and there were like fourteen people watching anime from the new season together. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, I this is. I was like, this is so good. I like. I, I like to see that. That was good. It was a good get on time. the Discord. Yeah, the seasonal watch party every Saturday night at uh, nine thirty EST. We pick a bunch of favorites from the new season and watch those. We also have Anime Club. The next meeting is going to be on May 6th, which is a Wednesday. And we're going to be watching the full series of Habane Renme, which is an absolute classic. It's, you can oh, watch it on baby. Funimation and Hulu. Ooh. And uh, it's not the best show for binging, so uh, start on it now if you yeah. want to join. But you just stop on in, and if you're not sure how it works, just ask us and we'll uh, give you all the details. We also have my manga club. Oh, sorry. What were you saying? I was saying, I'm just glad none of us have to burst angel wings out through our back because that shit is painful looking in that anime. (laughs) That was that second episode. Oh, could I fly afterwards? It might be worth it. The sad part is they can't fly, so that's true. You get nothing out of it at all. Just pain. I just get some glorious. I was gonna say cosplay game strong. Speaking of which, I get one wing. Yeah, so uh, my manga club is also coming up this Wednesday, the 29th, and we'll be reading volumes one and two of Complex Age, a manga about older women who love cosplay. So uh, yeah, if you read that and come join us on Wednesday, you just got to jump into the manga club voice chat at 10 p.m. EST, and uh, we'll sit there and chat about, have a very laid back chat about manga, and it'll be fun. And I'm not sure what the next one will be. But we also announced the next manga at the Manga Club. So come join us. And and to be fair, Discord is more than just watch parties and clubs. We have channels about video games, health and sports, memes and animals. We even have an 18 plus channel where people ask for sauce, my food channel. And it's uh, and so much more. So there's so much stuff to keep you occupied and hang out with. And uh, it's don't be scared. Just come on by. I, I highly encourage people to check it out. But enough of all that housekeeping. Today's, I won't bite hard. <laughs> today's episode <laughs> is chock full of more anime <laughs> recommendations and seasonal impressions because spring 2020 is upon us and we have our round two of impressions. We have uh, Sing For Me Yesterday. Uh, Sing Yesterday For Me. That's the one. Brand new animal. Art. Ghost in the Shell 2045. And uh, help me out on this one, because what's the English title on it? It's like, boss, it's time for battle or something like that. Okay. Shachu San Battle no Jikan Des. And we have our review of Legend of the Galactic Heroes Season 2. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. There's going to be some debates about best boys. Indeed. That's that's the review you all came here for. So strap in, stay (laughs) tuned, and if we have nothing else... Let's get to the big news of the week. It's time for big news of the week. Sony develops One Punch Man, Hollywood live action film. I've, I saw some news on this on Twitter. People are very mixed opinions on this one. 
<laughs> but the known staff is Sony Pictures. The screenwriter for this one is Scott Rosenberg and film producer Jeff Pink Pinkner, mm-hmm. known for uh, writing Venom and the Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle movie. Yep. So oh Avi Arad, and um, who was Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, and Adi Arad from Ghost Rider, uh, Spirit of Vengeance of Arad um, Productions are producing the film. And uh, yeah, so One Punch Man, we from one, uh, we've done a review on it in the past. It's a very big, very popular mm-hmm. manga yeah. and originally launched, um, the webcomic originally launched back in July of 2020. Um, 2009 and Shueisha published the 21st volume on December 4th of last year. So it's still going. And, uh, we recently reviewed season two, which was, which was, which was a big yikes, uh, in industry (laughs) terms. I think we can agree that the live action will have better animation, right? (laughs) Yeah. The live action will definitely have better animation. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, the, um, altogether, it has sold over two hundred or twenty million copies. Um, are currently in circulation, and uh, the first season was adapted by Madhouse into a twelve-episode anime, which we have reviewed in the past very uh, positively, because it's a very it's I mean it's a very well beloved series. Um, but yeah, how do you guys feel about <laughs> this live action? Listen. Here's- Okay, go, go ahead. Go I want ahead. you to know this is this is actually breaking news. I didn't want to. I've been trying to hold this in like all the last two weeks, but get it, get I it. am officially in negotiations for the role of Saitama. They oh decided my, oh that I am I am just bald enough oh and just muscular enough and mm. just barely young enough because I'm getting kind of old to play Saitama. So yeah, I, I don't want to get anybody excited, but. Um, yeah. You're on the so, list. You're on the list. I'm on the list. On I'm the on list. the list. You're on the list. In my own head. You're like you're you're like in the you're on the A list, I'm sure. Like with those arms? With the with that body? With I did that head? I did I did cosplay Saitama once. It, it went pretty yeah, well. And it looked great. It looked pretty good. All you have to do is be bald. So I mean, yeah. You, you've been you've been doing that since like ninety two, easily. Oh man. I'll- Mitch just said all bald people look alike. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well we are we are just said we are all beautiful. it's what he just implied there's a difference good save good save um whether this thing will be good um here's the thing with one punch man i think it'll fully depend on what they make the the conflict um Mm -hmm. i think he's not a hero that's hard to produce in terms of like making him faithful like you know buff dude that's bald and has a really easy costume you know, like he doesn't have any special power, special powers and speed up, speed up type things can be done well in post. Uh, so it, I think it will depend on how big they go with um, the villain. Uh, if the villain is whack and corny and undeserving of the tone that is One Punch Man, that I think it will flop. Uh, it's kind of worrisome that the guy that wrote for Venom is doing it because Venom wasn't the best movie. Venom, Venom, mm. Venom, Venom. Venom, Venom. But I also wonder if Venom's comedy is a good match for One Punch Man, though. Ooh, good point. I, it could be. I could see this going a lot in the same way that the recent Shazam movie went. I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh, yeah. But that was oh, a very similar, one. like, superhero movie, but the it was had one foot in being more mature and one foot in being just... a goofy concept that was out of left field and somehow worked so mm-hmm. i think if they kind of go in that direction they might find success yeah yeah good points yeah good points so i i think at the moment my conclusion is like 
I'm down for the trailer. Like I'll I'm, I'll look forward to the trailer. You know, I'll, I'll I want to see what that looks like when this is when this is up and getting filmed and stuff. So we'll see. I Chat guess. wants to know who should play Genos. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's really hard to think of any like live action people who look like these characters. I don't know. It'd be really hard. This movie is going to need so much like CG in it. Yeah. It's, like special yeah. effects. It's going to be insane. Yeah. I don't know. That's worrisome. I was just going to say that, like, these movies don't seem to do, they don't do super well. I'm like, even the Alita movie only made, like, what, between three and four hundred million, I think. So CG is so expensive. And to make the movie look, to make the movie look good, they're going to have to spend a lot of money. And I just don't know if they're going to be willing to throw the money at it because I don't know. they'll They'll probably think it's a big risk. They could lean into, like, the goofiness of it, though. Like, I'm just picturing, like, the crab villain, like, the. In like episode mm-hmm. one or two, where he like jumps over and like pulls his eye out or whatever. Like if they lean into like just making it kind of goofy and like doofy looking, like it could work. Hmm. It'll come down to the writing team and the villain. I tell you. Okay. I know. Like, yeah. but we do like superhero movies have are huge over here. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't. I don't know. But like, I think the pro the difference is that One Punch Man's villains are so ridiculous looking. Like right, Mason right, just right. mentioned the crab. So I don't know. Or the, it's gonna be the, the, the difficult. Diesel head, whatever the guys who like merged with his car because he loves cars so much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You you can't make that look good. You just can't. No. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. No. It, the guy it, it, who's it like be. part mole, looking, <laughs> like the fly woman. <laughs> It's gonna be or mosquito, mosquito right, woman. Mosquito, like I don't. Yeah. Think, like, how do you do? It's that? gonna be weird. No. Yeah, definitely adaptable in anime world, but live action, we'll have to see, dude. The trailer is gonna yeah. give us a lot about what's gonna be like. I think. I'm scared it's gonna be like that recent JoJo movie, <laughs> live action. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe. That's another property that should never come to life. Yeah. No, it should never. That's cursed. That's a cursed idea. Yeah. yeah. It seems like they're making a lot of stuff into anime recently, and maybe it's probably because anime is becoming, you know, 20, 20 years too late to popular in, in like high school, which is, you know, instead of being like stepped on and made fun of for liking Magic mm-hmm. the Gathering and anime, now you're cool because of it, which is just t- too cruel to even talk about. But um, what else do you guys think? that they will or what would you like to see made into an anime because it seems like if they're willing to do one punch man let's face it they're, they're probably you mean a live action yeah yeah a live action if they're willing to do one punch man they're they're probably willing to do a lot more too so um any wish lists <sighs> see the well, problem dude, is most of the ones that i think of would be dramas those are the ones that are gonna be the best live actions yeah. but those are not the be- the most popular ones yeah. I don't know. It'd be hard. I actually think My Hero would be easier to adapt into a live action than One Punch Man. Yes. Because at least My Hero's characters are not as goofy looking as Wild. One Punch Man. Something yeah. about like the realism yeah. of them, like having to like choose their like costumes and stuff, yeah. like lends it a sense mm-hmm. of groundness to it. Yeah. Yeah, most of the I just went through my head and I had like my my favorite anime go through my head, and they all have like li- like they, a lot of them have live action movie or series adaptions already that weren't that bad. So I need to think about that question a lot more. Hero Yui in the chat wants Demon Slayer. I think that can happen. Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. It'd be it'd be difficult because a lot of people over in the West are not going to understand like um, 
I don't know. It'd be really weird. That's it's so steep. Like the like the time period is just like it's set in such like a specific time period of Japan. I don't know if that would translate well to for yeah. like you know like I f- I feel like Hollywood. I feel like Hollywood would Hollywood, not even. Yeah. Um, have Nezuko in that thing the whole movie like being oh, yeah, around. Yeah. They, they, they would put her in like a hut a safe place <laughs> and just left there while um fuck I forgot his name main guy Tanjiro Tanjiro goes off and does the thing good boy um because to, to like save money whatever you know Bokurana would be a super cool edgy film mm-hmm. that could work when is when are we ever gonna get monster Monster would be so easy to adapt yeah, well, that's to. The thing. It's, it's kind of like Space Brothers, where it's like, I can already see it as a live action so much that I don't know if I need it. You don't want it to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it'd be good. It'd be solid. It'd be fine. But, yeah, Monster. I think Ooh, that, someone said Silver Spoon in the chat. I would love if Silver Spoon had, a, like, a live action drama, like, a live action movie. It'd be, it'd be mm. like a feel-good movie, I think. I love uh, it. I think. <laughs> I think. I think, no, I, I, I mean... I mean, I say I think because I'm accounting for the, uh, the chance that it would also be bad. <laughs> but no, I think it would. I think it would be a good one. I don't know how well Slice of Life would adapt into live action. I don't know. That'd be weird. I think that uh, that La Blue Girl would make a good live action. Oh wait. Oh yeah. Me too. I they already did that. that. They already did that. Com- complete that. with live action tentacles. Oh my And God. everything else. So talking about tentacles, you know what's sent- you know what's next. <laughs> Enzo Senpai's notice me tentacle. Yeah. <laughs> sure, why not? Join us in Enzo Senpai's uh, notice me corner. <laughs> All right, this is Enzo Senpai's notice me corner where you guys can write in and let us know about some stuff you've accomplished or stuff you're working on or stuff you're proud of so that we can shower you with our anime infested love. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, yeah. um, this one is a little different in tone than the ones I've read in the past. It comes in from Gore X Grind X Goku and they say, I know this segment is generally for folks who've accomplished big things, but I just rolled up the fattest Dutch ever and I just what? want a little recognition from my main man Senzo. Please don't notice me senpai. Seriously, this thing is a beauty. We talking Snoop level blunt status here. Now, <laughs> if you'll excuse me, I'm about to go puff this. Wow. Well, um, congratulations, my man. On, uh, oh, it's not done yet. I'm about to go puff this cannon to the face and watch some Yu Yu Hakusho. Love y'all addicts. Peace. So, word. Um, yo, I'm just going to... I'm just gonna say Goku to abbreviate for short. Yo, Goku, well, congratulations on rolling <laughs> the, the the fattest Dutch of all time. It does take a, it does take a lot of dexterous fingers to do so, truly. Um, but I hope I hope your next endeavor you also accomplish. You know what I mean? All right, good luck out there, Goku. If you guys want to write into Enzo Senpai Knows Me Corner for any reason, um, for any reason, I guess. Uh, oh, this is probably let, let's have a higher standard, boys. But and I appreciate before the next this one. one is I had took a I took a great shit today. I mean, it, it, it's, <laughs> this Me is too, a segment actually. for folks who've accomplished big things. Yeah, <laughs> that was a big ass shit too. The big shit. Anyway, Goku, congratulations on the on the Dutch rolling, my man. I hope you use those skills wisely. And uh, I will say, if you guys want to write into Enzo Senpai's Notice Me Corner, go to aapodcast.com. Uh, at the top, there'll be a button that says mailbags and more. You click that, you hit the drop down, you pick this segment, you write in so that we can celebrate you on the next podcast. Uh, grind, uh, Gore, Grind Goku, 
Thanks for writing in. And that's it for Enzo Sent by Zosmi Corner for this I, week. I just have to do <laughs> this because it's perfect. Do it. Face. Oh, too, it was too, too soft. Yeah. 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 No, 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 no. There you go. I All could right. just say it for you. You could have. <laughs> wow. You know, I don't even. I, I don't even think to screen those because I know that we want to read all of them. So I like, okay, I don't read it. I was like, just drop it in there. But you know, I I, I let that one go because he he's hitting into you, Haku Show, and I'm like, all right, fine. It's topical. Well, topical. That's it's true. topical. It's topical. Oh, well. All right. I think this next segment is. Is it a 13 week or 12 weeks? I don't know. How long it's is too many, it's too many damn and weeks? It's, in a, it's, a, it's been an eternity of despair. It has. That's what I'll say. All right. Well, guys, it's time for this Mitsuki's Mom Know, and we're going to try to get a winner this week. So let's kick it. Let's go. It's time for Does Mitsugi's Mom Know? The game show that pits Mitsugi's unassuming mother against anime's most basic questions. Now here are your hosts, the Anime Addicts! Whoa! It's time for this Mitsugi's mom know once again. And who do we have on the phone playing with? Who is our victim for this week? Uh, yeah, my name is Steven. I'm S Donnelly17 from Discord. Yo, what's up, my man? Hey, how are you? I'm doing all right, bro. Thanks for being here. Do me a favor real quick and raise your volume just a little bit so we can hear you a little better. We want to be able to hear the your, the sultry tones. How about that? Ooh, that's good. I think. All right, nice. Perfect. It's so much better. So thanks so much for joining us. Hey, where are you calling from today? I am calling from uh, just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, boy. You're, wow, you're right up there in the neighborhood with uh, with uh, Enzo and Mason, sort of. So. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for playing. Hey, you have a you have a lot on your shoulders this week because I, I feel the pressure. You, oh yeah, you to get into the seat you're in, you stepped over many bodies of, of corpses, of, of, of past say. failures, and uh, and we need a big win today. So I know you know how how to play this, but I'm gonna say the rules again for people listening for the first time. My mother, she knows some things about anime, but not not too many things, just enough to be dangerous. And so today I'm going to be playing questions about anime to her and you will guess whether or not she knows the answers to these basic anime questions. And if you get three out of five right, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk and we'll, we'll try to get you a sunny day every day for the next seven days. How does that sound? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, yeah. Let's get it. So I'm going to give you a sample question here just for the players at home and we'll see if, uh, if you can get your luck started with this one. Are you ready? Sweet. We'll warm up. Let's do it. In Dragon Ball Z, after what type of real-life objects are the characters named? Dragon Ball Z, right, well, aficionados will know that it's food. Most of them are named after food. Right, I know I know. Uh, Dragon Ball Z was big in your household, but uh, I, I feel like in the past, your mom has gotten some pretty easy Dragon Ball Z questions wrong, so I'm going to say she does not know. Mm -hmm. Some logical like history he's reasoning. coming in with. He's okay. coming in with. We got some science research. Yeah, he's been watching the tapes. Yeah, mm. he's been he's been watching film. All right, let's see if you let's see if she knows the answer. In Dragon Ball Z, after what type of real life objects are the characters named? Body parts. They're named after mm. food. I think Vegeta is like vegetable. <laughs> Body parts. Body so parts. that would be a correct Legendary. answer. But of course, that doesn't count. So. Of course. Of course. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but, 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 but you got a solid first step. Solid exactly. First step. We, what or, about trunks? Is that a food? I don't know. <laughs> That's a body part. She's not wrong. <laughs> I just know Gohan if you're is a tree. Gohan is like rice and, rice. and Piccolo is, uh, you know, Kakaratus carrot. Kakaratus carrot. Yeah, yeah. Who the hell knows? Mm-hmm. Anyway, are you, are you ready for the real thing? Uh, the the body parts of the vegetables. Mm. Oh, that's a big brain. The chunk big of the brain. carrot. Gotcha. Your mom, your mom was big brain on that one. Mm-hmm. She, yeah, she went one layer deep. Are you ready for the real mm-hmm. thing? I'm ready. I tend Let's to do go. well when I'm listening along, so uh, I intend to get every question wrong oh, sh- since oh, I'm usually doing well. So oh. okay, here. Well, that's a lot of faith. All right. All right. Well, here's some good luck for you. Good luck, lucky player. With me, it's oh. you never know. All right. Here oh, we, here we go. Long drop. That's, that's amazing. That's all I needed. Let's go. In the film Akira, what kind of vehicle does Kaneda drive? Ah, uh, here we go. Uh, everybody knows it's a motorcycle, I, a very badass motorcycle. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's no way that she could get this one wrong. It's just it's so iconic. I, I have to say she knows. With the bike slide mm. and everything else. Exactly. Exactly. I, I have to say she knows. Lock it in. Lock it in, Ooh. he says. Ooh, Lock it with a capital L, with my a, guy. He throws it down with authority. <laughs> Here we go. Mm. In the film Akira, what kind of vehicle does Kaneda drive? Uh, a Hummer. Oh, oh my God! Oh my God! She's a Hummer, baby. A Hummer. I like how much she was trying to tee it up too. Like she didn't say a car. She's like a 2008 Hummer yeah. H3 with a gold. <laughs> 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 oh, like, no one on the what? further end of the spectrum. I could. I would never oh, have man. guessed her answer. Oh my God! No. Okay. Well, you know what? That one was just like a fluke. Right? And so oh. from here on out, it's smooth sailing. And I believe. All right. Sounds good to me. I believe. Are you ready for this? We're going to we're gonna bury that one in the backyard. You ready for the second question? I'm ready. I'm ready. Kuroko is the star of an anime featuring what sport? <laughs> one, of, one of Mandy's oh. favorites. Oh, and, we, <laughs> and, and we will give you a phone a friend of someone other than me. Of course. Of course. Well, I feel like... I know you're a big sports anime fan, but I feel like the ones you would have passed on to her or the ones she would have watched would be baseball. Mm. So mm-hmm. that makes me want to say she won't know that. Um, and I'm, I'm going to save my phone a friend. I'm, I'm pretty sure she doesn't know. He's analyzing. I like it. This is a, we, we have a, a man of logic here. Very analytical. Okay. Yeah. He yeah. says she does not know it. Am I locking that in? Yeah, lock it in. Boom. Kuroko is the star of an anime featuring what sport? Well, that's the one that's about the the volleyball team. <gasps> oh, baby. She oh, came baby. off so confident. She, she was so confident. That was scary. Oh, I, was, I almost shit myself, TBH. Oh, oh yeah, seriously. Dude, you almost shit yourself? Dude. Oh, kind of, man. I'll let you know if it happens. Okay, all right. Why don't you send that into NZ <laughs> Senpai's Nerdsme Corner? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Self right in. You're on the board. You're on the board. Simplify the game. You need to get two out of three now. Are you ready for the third question? Let's do it. All right, let's get some good luck here. In Fully Cooly, what part of Naota's body does a does a robot emerge? Hmm. It's his forehead, oh, of course. Classic. Fully coolly. I, I, I gotta say she doesn't know that. That's just, 
I don't think she's going to guess that. I think she, I think to you know what to even make a bolder guess. I think she's going to say stomach. Ah, wow. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Go with the she doesn't know approach on everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh yeah. She doesn't know it. All right. You're call you're calling the bank shot and horse so to speak. Oh yeah. And I'm locking it in, I think. Yes. Oh yeah, lock it in. Here we go. In fully oh, coolly. What part of Naota's body does a does a robot emerge? His belly. <gasps> it's actually his forehead. Fucking bonus points for that. Wow. The children are happy for you. The children are going wild. Two <laughs> in a row. Shit today, well done. Oh, oh, I clipped the crap out of my mic on that one. I was so yeah, excited. Me too. <laughs> listen, listen. I, <laughs> so did I. I'm so excited to have a possible winner here that my nips are rock hard. Dude, I'm losing my mind. Uh, so we, took, haven't, we haven't seen the cool. daylight stay of cool. victory. Okay, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Got to cross the finish line. Over here. took a Shush. shit in his okay, chair. Dude, it's, it's, it's just a tip is out, baby. Just okay, a tip. Just a turtle head. <laughs> Turtling, right. Turtle. He's, yeah. he's prairie dog in it. Yeah, we're, right. we're turtling right now. Are you ready for your, uh, your, your potential game-winning question? I'm ready. I've never been more ready. Oh, my God. Here we go. In Death Note, what kind of fruit does the Death God Ryuk <gasps> love to eat? Oh, my God. Okay. All right. All right. So, mm-hmm. obviously, it's apples. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we all know that that Mitsugi is not the biggest Death Note fan. Mm. But does that mean his mom has seen it? She I could think, be a big think, Willem Dafoe fan. Yeah, that's also true. All right, I think. <laughs> all right, I think I'm going to use my phone a friend. All right, uh, Enzo. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> At Enzo Badia. What are you thinking? Yes. Uh, me, Enzo Badia. So here's the thing. Okay. All right. You have to think about it in two ways, right? Either has she seen it and the likelihood that her guess is apple because apple is such a mm. common fruit. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So That's here's true. The, so you have to compare the two possibilities here. One, Miss does not like Death Note that much, if mm-hmm. I recall. So, But in order to not like something, he must have watched it. And Death Note came out during the golden era of anime in the times in which I think Miss was watching anime with his mother. I don't know. Perhaps. Mm. So, but does she remember that it's Apple? And I don't think the likelihood of Apple is high enough to give in to this. So I think she won't know that it's Apple. All right. So taking all that into consideration, I think yes. she does know. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. All right. Okay. Was <laughs> the question food or was it specifically fruit? I think it was fruit. It was, f- was it fruit? Okay. Oh I'll play God. the question she might get for a really you. Lucky I'll guess. play it again for you if you want. No, okay. I'm confident. Oh, oh shit. It in. Apple. Oh, he's locking Locked it in. in. She knows. Locked he's locking in. it in. In Hot Death damn. Note, what kind of fruit does the death mm. god Ryuk love to eat? Hmm. Grapes. Oh, he loves to eat apples. <laughs> I almost said that. Oh, mm. my God. She, <laughs> listen she, to oh, she almost said it. She almost, she said, almost said it. Oh, yes. so- S. Donnelly over here is like L. You know, he's got his. She's got him Kira pinned down. He, mm-hmm. He's got. He's doing all the logistics, oh, and all of a sudden, yeah, he's like, "I'm, I'm going to take this grape and eat it, and just blow oh. your strategy out of the water." Yep. yep. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not L. Because he didn't. He didn't turn out too well in that. So no, no spoilers. No spoilers. Right. He, he wasn't. He wasn't looking too good, Mister Stark. Final no. question. This ooh, is it. Ooh. This is for all the marbles. Oh my ooh. god. You ready all for right. your last question? This is the clincher. I'm ready. I'm ready. 
In Grave of the Fireflies, how is the mother of Seita and Setsuko killed? She knows this. Oh, she has to know. I know your mo- I know she went on that that Ghibli binge a couple years ago. So I feel like a classic like Grave of the Fireflies. I feel like she has to know it. She has seen most most Ghibli movies. Ooh. I'm. The chat is spamming <laughs> ease. It, there's, there's so much support. <laughs> I gotta trust my gut on it. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say she knows. Mm-hmm. All right. She knows it. She am knows. I, am I locking you in? Locking it in. Here we go, dude. I'm in Grave of the Fireflies. How is the mother of Seita and Setsuko killed? Oh, I should know this one. I, I'm pretty sure she was shot. No. Gun. <gasps> oh. I'm pretty sure she dies from burns from the firebombing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My heart. Mm. Yes. Oh listen. God. We were so listen, close. Mr. Listen. All. Listen. Smoked if on a Ghibli question. Six straight. I don't knows. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when when she hit the I should have known that I I literally dropped. I was like, oh, it's all over for me. <laughs> I, oh, listen, I'm not gonna say I knew the answer to one of your questions, but. <laughs> The facts will speak for themselves, and history will remember you as another loser in our game. As Tommy, uh, oh, can can we just give him props though for calling that stomach? Yeah, shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that should be worth good. double points. Oh yeah, I feel like that was a double point, but you know what? It's whatever. We'll have the, the asterisks on it. No big deal. Oh uh, yeah, they have an asterisk on this one. Uh-huh. Sure. Oh for All sure, right. well, for sure. An asterisk. Th- thank you for being our latest victim. And uh, uh, and you are now another. Corpse. I'm sorry to the chat that I could not deliver a dub. Mm. Uh, it was an engaging loss all the same, though, and yeah. we appreciate hey, it. We try our best, you know. Mm-hmm. Up here in the Northeast, we do what we can. We do what we can. <laughs> all right, guys. But uh, but the streak continues. Yep. Thanks so much for calling in. We appreciate you. Thanks for yeah. listening. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right, you take Thanks care. for all the support, Thanks. man. Yeah, Have see you guys. One. Bye. So close with that game. Mm-hmm. So close. Man, you know, it's like it's like I knew one of the answers, you know? <laughs> there we go. It's like I knew. It's like the I cameras knew. are messed up, but that's okay. The cameras are a little messed oh, up. I oh, I apologize. No, no, it's a little bit. We're good. Trying. We're we coming it. back. We got it. Oh, there we go. And we're, we're all good. fixed. All right. Well, and you know yeah. what? We'll have okay. a winner next time. I have no more for you guys to play for you guys. I only prepared five questions, but... um. All right, Aww. you made it to the end though. Well, we have questions for you, listener. We have our intro mm-hmm. weekly trivia, but first we have our website trivia, which you can go to at aaapodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom. We have a picture with a theme, and if you can guess the show that that picture is from, you can win a prize. The answer from last week was Destiny of the Shrine Maiden, and the winner for the week was Chibi Rob. Ooh. Yay, Chibi. Hey, my man. And uh, the <laughs> theme man. remains Anime Shrine Maiden. So go over to our website and check it out if you want to participate for fabulous prizes. Oh, yeah. Congrats. Congrats. We also have our in-show trivia question, which we will answer after the break. The question is, Yoshiki Tanaka is the original creator of Legend of Galactic Heroes. What other war-centric property is he the original creator of? It's a good question, so ponder it, and we'll answer it after the break. See you soon. Bye-bye. It's Yang Wing Lee's Bizarre Adventure.
Hey, Anime Addicts, Mitsugi's here, bringing you your first round of anime news. Leading us off with, well, let's just get the COVID-19 news out of the way real quick here. Chibi Madoko-chan, the anime is now delayed due to COVID-19. Kingdom Season 3 and Duel Masters King are both delayed. Um, Mucle Dreamy TV anime is delayed. Major second anime is still delayed. That second season of that anime. Kirato Prechan anime is now delayed. The regular Magic High School is delayed all the way back to October due to COVID-19. The Promised Neverland Season 2 is delayed clear back to January 2021 currently due to COVID-19. Uh, several tokusatsu films, uh, uh, Tonka and another film, Tonkatsu DJ Agetado film is delayed due to COVID-19. And there's other things as well. So the list continues to pile. Next up, Kamitachi ni Hiro Wareta Otoko TV anime is airing in the fall of 2020. Hobby Japan announced that there is a website out for Kamitachi ni Hiro Wareta Otoko by the grace of the gods, a TV anime that is going to be coming out. It's going to be distributed by, by Funimation. It's going to premiere in the fall of 2020. Takeyuki Yanase is going to be directing the, the anime at Maho TV. And Kazuyuki Fudeyasu, who worked on the... That time I was reincarnated as a slime and other shonen shows, is also in charge of the series doing the composition and the scripts. So the it's, adap it's, adap it's adapting Roy's Adventure Fantasy Light Novel, which originally launched back in 2015 on the Shousetsuka Ninado website. So it has 250 million views online. So if you're a fan of this property, Kamitachi ni Hirowate to Otoko, by the grace of gods, look out for that coming out in the fall of 2020. Next up, another new anime adaptation, this time a potentially a rock climbing anime here at the synopsis. Konomi Kasahata, a high school girl, has made a big name after herself after winning numerous competitive puzzle game tournaments. The story begins when she finds a sports club de dedicated to climbing. Using special skills other than that of puzzle games, Kasahara begins getting fascinated with climbing. So that we'll have to see what kind of a anime that is. The director, Tetsuro Amino of Nijiro Days and Breakblade is going to be doing the directing and the studio is by Blade. So interesting little sports premise show coming out sometime in the future. And next up and lastly, due to the, the due to the drain on the anime industry and getting background artists and other anime staff, Sunrise Studios is establishing a school for background art and aims to address that shortage of background artists in the anime industry. Jiro Kuono, uh, who worked on as a background artist for Akira and was the art director of Megalobox, is going to serve as an instructor at the school. And the school will be getting a subsidy of about $9,300 per month for students to pay for their daily expenses and those who graduate from high school in, in Japan in March 2021 or those between the ages of 20, 18 and 25 with a high school diploma will, will be eligible to apply to participate in learning at the school. This is Mitsuki and this was your anime news break and now we're going to get back to the podcast right now. Hey anime addicts, so many of us love our Pokemon and JList and JBox.com are a fantastic place for you to find all sorts of Pokemon merchandise, including adorable plushies you can enjoy around your house. They have so many to choose from. Pretty much every version of Eevee you could ever want. Pikachu, Snorlax, Cubone, adorable versions of Mew, Charmander, Bulbasaur, Squirtle, Psyduck. 
So many to choose from in Monumaru and normal plushie versions, and they even have neck pillows so you can look super cute while you're traveling. All for $17 or less, and some of these are even as low as $10. So head over to JList or JBox.com right now. You can browse their huge selection of Pokemon-related merchandise, find something cute for yourself, and you'll be supporting the podcast as well. Again, that's over at JList and JBox.com. Hey, Steve Bloom here, voice of Spike Spiegel, Vincent Valentine. Leron from Gurren Lagan, Gilman from Digimon. And a bunch of other crap. And I am a total anime addict, dude. <laughs> Tune in, or else. You know me? Of course! This is the Anime Economics Podcast, and we're back from our news break. We asked you a question before the break, and that question was, Yoshiki Tanaka is the original creator of Legend of the the Galactic Heroes. What other war-centric property is he the original creator of? And the answer to that one, in case you didn't know, is Arslan Senki, a recent anime that I kind of liked for the most part, TBH. Aside from the CG horses. Not the best CG horses. Um, anime has trouble with CG horses. <laughs> yeah, anime be wilding on CG horses, dude. And not in the good way. Um, but you know what segment of our podcast does not have any CG horses? Any CG horses, baby? Let them know, man. What Until I it? do Steel Ball Run. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, fucked. You're right. <laughs> Let them know. Let's take a minute for the Manga Minute with Mandy. This is Mandy's Manga Minute, where I take a minute to tell you about a manga and help you find something new to read. And this one is called My Androgynous Boyfriend. (laughs) Wako and her androgynous boyfriend don't exactly have the most traditional of relationships. She spends her days working hard in the world of publishing, while he spends his time obsessing over fashion and makeup. All with the goal of making himself beautiful just for her. This romantic slice of life story is about love, relationships, and breaking with tradition. So, my androgynous boyfriend is a Jose slice of life, written and illustrated by Tame Cow. Um, it is still currently publishing, with one volume currently available in English, both digitally and in print. Um, I went into this manga with very low expectations, and I came out of it actually very delighted. Um, it was far more heartwarming of a heartwarming romance than I was anticipating. And the title leads you to believe that the entire focus of the manga is going to be on how Wako's boyfriend is androgynous. And while May does mention it a few times, like um, Wako's co-workers are commenting that they thought she was dating another woman, <laughs> but it doesn't dwell on it and it treats it doesn't treat it as something abnormal. Um, there hasn't been any unnecessary drama between the characters and the first uh, volume illustrates how well they work together and um, they have a very adult relationship then they support each other and Wako's boyfriend Meguru uh, does have a sort of an idol position in his modeling job but he refuses to hide the fact that he has a girlfriend and wants nothing more than to show off to everybody how much he loves this woman Aww. and um, he tries very hard to make Wako happy by surprising her or helping 
helping her relax after work, and Wako is a very open and honest person, often complaining to Megudu all about her workday, and she loves trying to boost his confidence. And they have such a, such an adorable relationship. And the manga also endears you to them through lighthearted comedy, um, like a very tiring visit to Ikea. I love that chapter. It was so cute. Mm. <laughs> but um, I really enjoyed the first volume of this manga, and I plan on continuing it. And uh, I'd recommend it to people who are looking for a manga about adult relationships that are not bogged down by any drama. So if you're, if you're wanting, like... A drama-heavy romance. This is not it for you, <laughs> but this is really cute, though. So yeah, that's really that sounds really fucking. You know that I would love this shit. Probably. Yeah, it's it's super cute. Yeah. It, like I went into it expecting drama and just the whole thing to be a joke, and it wasn't at all. It was really cute, adorable, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, fuck yeah, cute manga man. Need more of that in my life, honestly. <laughs> um, but yeah. What we got next? Uh, we got oh, we got the spice. Lord Game time. time. Game time. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> That's right. We have our anime argument segment where you can leave your argument at aapodcast.com. Go to the mailbag and drop in your hot take, unpopular opinion, or whatever spicy thoughts you have that we will discuss. Our first one today comes from Cream Puff, and they write, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure manga are better with the colors added, so more so than their black or white counterparts. Ooh. So essentially, you know, there's, there, there's two things to this. There's the... Now, official English releases by Viz Media, which have the hardcover Jojonium, it's called like a Kanzeban releases. They are really well done. They they look mm. nice. They feel great. They have a nice heft to it. They're going through. I have like all yeah, of them. They look beautiful. Part four is coming out. <laughs> I think actually volume five comes out next week when I'm talking this. And all mm-hmm. seven of part four are coming out by the end of the year. So if you want like a physical version of Jojo. That's the way to go, and it's phenomenal. But what Cream Puff is referring to is the online community of JoJo's Colored Adventure, which goes through and colors every single panel and has all the scans up in pretty good quality. That's and beautiful. the question is, is that yeah. better than the black and white version? And the as much as I like the purest of you know you know the way that the author intended. Um, it actually is better with the colors. I brought up an example from part seven, and you can see uh, as terribly as I'm holding oh, it up. You, you have like a character on a him. horse with another character across his lap with like a character in the background. There's just so much going on, and it's hard to differentiate like the limbs from one another because there's so much going on that sometimes you look at an image and you're like, oh, who is this leg even attached to? Because mm-hmm. there's so much flair. And uh, yeah, actually the colored versions, although not like quite the authentic and Iraqi's intent, just do make things a lot cleaner and help communicate things. So especially the later volumes, I definitely recommend checking out JoJo's Colored Adventure if you want to see the best version of the manga. But don't forget to get the physical ones too because they're still great. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I 
I wasn't reading them for a while because, of course, they're not legal. <laughs> but um, I did read all Steel Ball Run in the colored ones. And yeah, it looks fantastic. There are a lot of moments where I was like, man, I can't even imagine this in just the traditional manga style because they're, they're be, they would just be so confusing, especially with a lot when you get to some of the more intricate stands and just abilities going off. You're like, I cannot imagine yeah. this outside of color. <laughs> but uh, yeah, unfortunately... <laughs> they're not legal yeah. sadly <laughs> manga but, be manga. yeah um the rohan at the louvre i, I hope i pronounce it correctly i don't know that manga is um hardback and it's all in color so i don't know i think he has the ability to i don't know maybe eventually transition to color be nice. i wish he would that'd be nice because they they're fantastic <laughs> Uh, our second argument today, I'm going to need all your guys' help from on this, this one. fucking spicy. Oh, this is a spicy book. And I like, I, like, I like takes like this. We'll see oh, if I agree. Oh, comes right. from This Is Heavy, and they write, Outlaw Star is better than Cowboy Bebop. It has more interesting characters, actual character development, a fantastic setting, better action sequences, and a more enjoyable plot. The only thing better about Cowboy Bebop is the music. And this is somewhat related to our conversation on classics from last week. Enzo, do you want to go? It sounds like you were Um, jumping on it. My immediate reaction is no. Um, But at the same time, that's like that's like my knee jerk reaction. But my more like tame reaction is that they're kind of they're kind of even though they're both bounty hunter anime, they. Do they're doing different things, kind of? Um, and uh, oh my god, dude, I don't even fucking know. <laughs> Holy shit, like he's in pain, yeah. Well, because I love Outlaw Star, I love oh, yeah. that fucking yeah. anime big time. Like, Gene, I say it all the time, Gene Starlin is dope. I love his design, I love the Outlaw Star, I love the ED of Outlaw Star a lot. It's, I still think about the ED all the time, um, but Bebop. Uh, obviously has things that I am I literally have a bebop tattoo so like I was like yes I fucking love bebop do you yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm the forearm it's the the sword it's like the swordfish with like a line yeah. going sorry you can uh, talk about your own cool. tattoo sorry <laughs> no no I, I appreciate it um, I recognize Mason knows your body better than you do me okay oh shit shit spicy listen if someone like Kim knows my body better than me I'm honored big brain <laughs> okay you know it's, it's okay this is crazy i literally tweeted today that i feel very small brain today so this is really racking my fucking mind but um i think in terms of because he, he says interesting characters and actual character development it's i think that's a hard thing to tackle because these characters are starting from different places um like the characters in bebop are pretty broken from the get-go and they're spiral and half of them are spiraling and I have and not towards a better place they're spiraling towards darkness while in all our star uh like they're not really broken broken they're, they're obviously not living the most luxurious life but they're not like in they're not like traumatized per se um unless i'm forgetting something in all our star holy shit but I think because of that, it yes, Bebop is not progressing in a positive light most of the time. I like the journey they go on. It's a little darker than, than All of Star, but I think that journey is more interesting because that subject matter is more interesting to me um, as a character study. Um, All of Star might have a cooler world, 
a world that I would be I would be more down to live in than Bebop's crazy outlaw type space world. Um, but yeah, no, nah. and I think better action sequences is because like you like you see Spike fight a couple times with his kung fu drunk shit, but like it's not <laughs> Bebop. Bebop's not about the action sequences though. You know, it's not a they're not out to give you a stellar action performance. So that's why it's hard to compare the two. But I think in general, when you think when you look at the objectives of both shows, I think Bebop takes the harder route and still executes well. So I think Bebop to me is better. But I mean, I mean that's all subjective, though. I think anyway. that Bebop has a be- has. I think Outlaw Star has a better story than than Cowboy Bebop, and most of that just because personally, I don't think Cowboy Bebop has much of a story. But right. Um, but um, I think just about everything else about Bebop has Outlaw Star beat. Um. Yeah, I mean, I is Gene Starwood cooler than Spike? Mm, I don't know. They're both no. pretty cool. They're both pretty yeah. cool. Um, but I, uh, I would say that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I gotta say, no, I think Bebop. I mean, Outlaw Star is fantastic. You know, it's probably yeah, for me to still. me to me it's probably better than eight out of ten shows that 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 you'll put in front of me. But um. I think Cowboy Bebop just just a little better, and and that's not to say Bebop is some like, uh, you know, flawless diamond or something like that because it definitely has flaws. Right. But it but it's yeah it's nah I can't I can't I can't agree as much as I love Outlaw Star. Mandy, do you have a take? Oh no, I don't because again, it's been so long since I've seen Outlaw Star, and I'm sorry, guys. I'm I I like Cowboy Bebop, but I don't have like it, it wasn't like an important part of my anime yeah. history. Totally I actually like Samurai Champloo more, so I don't have any opinions. Sorry, no opinions for Mandy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I I'll, I'll wrap it up. You guys said a lot of what I said. These these shows came out same year, both by Studio Sunrise. So like these are like as apt for comparison as anything, and. Uh, it's not even close. Bebop is so much better, like visually and like in the dialogue. It's so much sharper and it's on a whole nother level from Outlaw Star. And I'm also not a big fan of magic systems in sci-fi universes, which Outlaw Star has. Um, Gene is nowhere near as cool as Spike and it lacks a lot of the charm that like Trigun, which is I another think show. Gene is hot though. Well, Gene's, we're not Gene's talking really about cool. that. Um, well, I am. Like Gene, like he's just a, he's just <laughs> well, a loser. Like he loses the kids in like a card game, and then like he buys his debauchery in prostitutes instead of like charming his way. Like he's just he's just not as cool. Um, listen, I can get why people who have like a setting and a plot, like that's an important part of stories to them, could definitely dig Outlaw Star in that component. But comparing them is leagues apart. And to put it into perspective. Cowboy Bebop started airing in Adult Swim in like two thousand in nineteen ninety-eight, I think. And has been that on the right. and has been like rerun every year since. Like every year you can rewatch all of Cowboy Bebop. Outlaw Star got cancelled in favor of extra episodes of Inuyasha. When you're losing the Inuyasha, <laughs> you're not even going up against Bebop. Don't hate on Inuyasha. Last last thing, uh, the bounties in Bebop are like millions and millions of wulong in uh, outlaw star they're like a couple thousand wongs like come on those are rookie numbers you gotta bump those numbers up i mean would you rather have i mean do you not know exchange rates listen all i see is numbers all i see is zeros my dog well i'll just say that the uh the gilliam five is cooler than the bebop so i you know i will say the the ship is dope as fucking outlaw star 
I, I mean, it's a I'm shiny, not saying Outlaw Star Apple doesn't have awesome parts, but it ain't no, it ain't no Bebop. Beep, the Bebop yeah. is literally a flying piece of shit in space. Well, it that's like why we don't have we have swordfish tattoos, not Bebop. Yeah, that's why I have a ghetto ship. Yeah. Uh, it's got charm. It's got charm. It's got love. It's got bell peppers, and that's all you need in life to be happy. So I think we can move Ooh. on. So but I no appreciate beef. these very hot takes. I appreciate you sending them in. Please send your own, and we will uh, give it its due shake. But with that, we can yeah. move on, I think. Bebop's got no beef, but I got beef with you. No, I'm just kidding. Nice. Mm -hmm. That was nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Today, we're going to be doing impressions. Impression time. Believe it. Oh, my God. Let's do it. Yeah. So, impressions, guys. So, for anyone that's listening to this episode, it's their first episode ever of the Amiax Anonymous podcast. I'm sorry. First of all, (laughs) well, first of all, we're sorry because we're about to embark on a journey that's kind of wild. Um, and also, um, this is what we do every season when new shows come out. So we do impressions. We pick, we each of the each of the hosts pick five anime. We each in respectively watch the first three episodes of each anime we picked, and then we come together on the podcast to give our general impressions of them and whether we will keep them to review once that season of the anime, once the current season of the anime is over, or whether we will fail them, which means. Which only means that we're not reviewing them on the podcast. Sometimes we fail shows, but that doesn't mean we're not watching them. But that means we're watching them, but we think there are other shows that deserve a slot, or it's not worthy of a review, or it's a sequel, blah 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 blah, blah for of various reasons that we will state. So on this episode, we're going to be we're going to be doing impressions on um, spring twenty twenty anime, and these anime will be seeing yesterday for me, brand new animal art, goats in the shell twenty forty five, and shacho san battle no jinkan desu. Uh, which I think I think it's translated roughly to boss. It's time for battle. Something like whatever. that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. Earlier, I think literally it's um, uh, it's it's president. It's time for battle. Dope. Uh, but yeah, so each host will give their thoughts and whether they pass it or fail it. And I only have one today, so I can I can go in the middle. Mandy, yeah, Mandy, I have two. yeah, Mandy can go first. All right, let's get it. Okay, then I'll do art first. Um, I apologize. I actually wrote down a lot for this. <laughs> I didn't no, realize dude, I wrote down so much. <laughs> this is the time. This we gotta explain ourselves here. Because this, cause there are so many things I like and dislike about about this show. But um, you can watch it on Funimation, and it is being adapted by Seven Arcs. It was a manga adaptation, and I did the manga for Manga Minute not that long ago. It was only like a few weeks ago. And um, the director is Takoyuki Hamana, who uh, directed The Beast Player Aaron, which I have not seen, but it's been on my watch list for a while. But um, so this is um, about a woman named Art, and she is in an aristocratic family during the Italian Renaissance period. And her mother wants her to get married for political reasons. You know, they're, they need somebody to carry on the family name. And But Art is obsessed with drawing, and her father lets her do it as a hobby and they do a good job of clarifying that it's fine for women to do this as a hobby but unfortunately during this time um a woman couldn't search like look for this as a career and that's what art wants to do she wants to take it further and make a career out of it and um that's you know that's not really something that's supported in society and um because it would have been very unheard of but um art hates that her mother and society are deciding what she can do with her future. So she runs away to find somebody who will train her. And she meets a man named Leo who paints for a living. And he agrees to take her in as his apprentice. And um, he works her 
very hard and she is so determined to do anything he says in order to prove herself capable. And um, for things that I do like about this, I do appreciate that Art is so very determined and rebellious. She doesn't just accept things for the way that they are. And that's that's a theme that I really love in media. And um, especially like we just did or I watched all of Run Smile Down the Runway, and that's another reason why I love that mm-hmm. anime. Because mm-hmm. um, the only way to make a change in the world is to fight for what you believe in and not to just accept the current state of society and what they tell you. And that's how progress is made. So that's something that I really liked about herself. And um, while the animation may not be mind-blowing, I do like her character design. There are some really nice backgrounds in there as well. Um, I... And I do like that some parts, some of the parts with art drawing. Um, there's a scene where Leo is asks her to draw a scenery, and she has to do it so many times in order to get it right. And um, she was getting really frustrated with herself, but she was so determined to see it finished. But um, she does finally ask Leo, uh, "Am I ever going to be good enough to do this? You keep denying it." And he explains to her that he could have accepted it the first time, but just tiny little changes and differences in it can change the entire piece. And so he asks her, "Who are you drawing for?" And this, she realizes that she's only been drawing for herself to make herself happy. And since she has such a low bar, she's not really thinking about what the client looks good for the client. So she rushes out to do it again, and she's able to do it perfectly this time and he accepts it and I thought that was really cool um and yeah I I like those parts of it but the things that I disliked is that it's so heavy-handed to the point where it gets annoying (laughs) and it's like strange because those scenes are in the manga and like I went back and read it again I'm like I don't remember it being this annoying but in the manga it's confined to one page where in the anime it just kind of feels like it goes on and on too long um because the second episode is like a constant stream of because i'm a girl or because you're a girl and Mm -hmm. i was like man it's something that we know but you don't have to keep reminding us that art is trying to fight against discrimination we know that (laughs) we've already crossed that bridge and we know what she's doing but um i don't know it can get really exhausting and i did think they've lightened it up a little bit in episode three but unfortunately I have to go off the first three episodes. And um, although it is set in the Italian Renaissance, it doesn't feel like like a period piece at all, because there are some inconsistencies that uh, to me felt a little weird. Like, for example, the first episode, this um, she's dressed up really nice because she's an aristocrat. And this guy who's clearly a commoner pushes her to the ground. And I was thinking, would a guy really do that, knowing that he could be easily punished for something like that? Literally (laughs) killed. Yeah, I'm like, ah, does that make sense to me? But of course, this isn't like supposed to be a dark anime. It's not supposed to be historically accurate. So it, you can forgive it. Just, um, you know, it's supposed to meant to be more of a light uh, series. So, um, but it's just an observation that I had. And of course, there are some people out there who are looking for a more period piece who might be irritated by that. But um, yeah, so man, overall... I think the anime is fine. I'm going to keep watching it for myself and hope that they lighten up a little bit on the heavy-handed messages. But um, for review, I think I'm, I'm going to be failing this for review. But I will keep you updated during free discussions on whether or not it improves. And it could very well improve vastly beyond the first three episodes. But um, mm. yes, right now I just think it's just okay. <laughs> you shall not! 
Fucking love that drop. <laughs> it just it fits yeah. very it fits very nicely. Yeah. Manny, just real quick, I super agree. I, I've watched all three episodes of Art too, and it's just like very consistently like the theme of like her being a girl being her biggest issue all the time. Yeah, and like I like that, but it's just that you don't have to keep telling me. I know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> you have to say it once. I know what the issue is here. Totally. You can stop saying it. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's okay. All right. Uh, would Mason or Mitz like to go next? Um, I can go. So right. I have this anime, this little ditty here called Shacho. Um, Shacho. Battle no jigandas. Or President, it's time for battle. Um, it's, a, it's an anime that's based off of an RPG smartphone game. <clears throat> so, and in this world called... They don't really talk about the world a whole lot. Gate Pia, I think. It's called Gate Pia. Mm -hmm. And in this world, there's a a giant gate that sits at the center of the world. And then there's many like little gates all over the all over the world. And there there, there are these adventuring companies that go into gates um, and they fight monsters that are called Muja. And they retrieve these like they call them Kirakuri, but I think they're like purchase purchase orders or something like this this whole anime is basically like a big business show like it's 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 gonna bore the shit out of a lot of people um because like right off the bat they their their company which is called kibo company has no president because the president retired and so they go and they ask the 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 former president's son uh, uh minato i think his name is to be the new president in his father's place and they realize that oh the company has no money so like so they're like you know they're, they're talking about like balance sheets and shit like that and and income statements and how there's no income and the cash flow is low and all this and then like well what are we going to do we're going to become insolvent so they like they go and they go oh well wait didn't the old president donate like a ton of shit that was like that was that, that belonged to the company to some museum or whatnot and so they go to the museum because they realize they don't have enough startup money to like get this business running but he donated all this valuable armor and weapons and all this cool shit that you need to like go into dungeons and fight monsters and get the the treasure at the bottom, kind of like dot hack style. Um, and uh, they go and they, they they go and then she's like, yeah, 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 you can you can take back what you can take back the donation or whatever. Um, but there's an inheritance tax that you have to pay in order to collect the the goods if you want to inherit it. <laughs> and they go, we don't have enough money. For the inheritance tax, and so and so they're like in this pickle. Um, and the end of episode two, there's uh, there's some kind of a contest that is being held, whereby a lot of companies from all over Gate Pia are they're going to compete and they're going to go down into this into this dungeon and they're going to and whoever can get to the bottom and get like the 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 um, kirakuri like the purchase order or whatever at the bottom first is going to win and that'll be like enough money for them to you know get the inheritance and then you know get get rolling. Um, so this is an anime that I feel like will appeal to me and, and Enzo, especially since we're both like deep in finance, like all the time, um, uh, stuff like the kids, like walking down the dungeon and see, I, I was feeling kind of lukewarm about this anime until I got to episode three. Um, like he, he, he's like just poking around at things in the dungeon and he pulls like this plant out and there's this one. This one character with that's with them, and by the way, the characters in this look super cute. They, 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 some of the girls, some of the girl characters are reminiscent of like, almost like a Disgaea type style, 
the way that they, the way that their outfits are are done up and stuff like the NPCs from Disgaea. So this kid pulls this he, the president pulls this plant out and it looks like a mandrake root and the one the one underling or whatever I can't I can't remember if it's a boy or a girl who says it but they say oh my god that's this plant that anybody who hears its dying scream will be cursed with with uh, business restructuring for the next year and I was like that is hilarious and so Lol. and so um. He, he grabs the plan, he runs off the screen so it'll scream somewhere where they can't hear it. Um, then they get to the boss fight at the bottom, and the boss fight is this giant fire-breathing dog with three heads. And one head is a head that looks like a subordinate. One head that's in the middle, and they're stacked up like a totem pole almost. One head that's in the middle is, 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 the, face of a bo- is the face of a manager, and then the one on the top is the face of like the big boss. So they're like they've built like the like the corporate business hierarchy into the head into the into the heads of the of the dog monster and they're like well we can't fight this monster it's like baked, cooking them alive like breathing fire on them and the and the president goes you know what let's I have this strategy so they they antagonize the head like the underling and then they antagonize the big boss and they start fighting and they and the heads start quarreling quarreling with each other and he makes this joke and he says um, oh this is the this is a, a clear sign of weak middle management. And cause like the head in the middle is like all confused, the manager in the middle while the boss and the, and the little guy are like yelling at each other while he's in the middle looking all scared. And then in, later, then later in the scene, he says, Oh, the, Oh look, the, 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 the underling head is afraid of getting fired. <laughs> I was just like, this shit is funny. So, um, I think everybody in the world hates this anime pretty much. It has a 5.3 on Mal. Um, Whoa. It doesn't look like it, it looks cute. It, it isn't like the way that it looks is fine to me. Um, it isn't animated super well. The The fight scene was okay. It's clearly not about like the fighting. It's more about like business jokes and stuff like that. And um, so, But it's battle time. It's battle time. So <clears throat> I don't know where this is going. I think it's just going to be like a cute little anime where they go on little quests and there's lots of like talk of you know, um, the cost of hiring new employees and all these other things that you don't really encounter usually. Um, so yeah, pretty much everybody hates this anime 5.3 on Mal. So I can only assume, although they, although people sure tanked it in a hurry cause it's, it barely is out. Um, so, um, you know, I think in the sense, in the way that, um, Gouda Zeni only appealed to me, I think, um, I'm going to pass this <laughs> anime because it appeals to me in a humorous sort of, business way because uh, that's definitely what they're going for with this i don't I'm know i have to try this out i don't know where it's going it could end up being terrible but that third episode really tickled me with some really on spot like right on the mark humor for people that are you know in finance or accounting or uh you know or or understand what weak middle management is like you know having mm-hmm. a weak manager so Trust me, i do this anime <laughs> could be could be horrendous but for me, those jokes were on the runs were on point, and I've never seen that in anime before. So, um, despite the hate, I'm gonna pass it. Respect. Yes, yes. Oh yeah. Can you feel that, buddy? Huh? Feel that? Exercise the demons. All right. Um, okay, Mason, you have two coming up. Right? Nope, I just got one. Uh, am I counting like a dummy? Uh, oh, Mandy two. has to. Yeah. Okay, okay, so okay, so I can go next if you want me. to. Sure. All right. Cool. Cool. So, 
I have the anime I'm going to be doing an impression on real quick is uh, Yesterday Wo Utate, which translates to Sing Yesterday for me. It is my number one pick for the season. And uh, again, just really quick, it, I picked it because I had watched, they released like a nine minute preview of the show. And the genres are slice of life, drama, romance, and seinen. I tend to gravitate towards slice of life, drama, seinen, romance. Those are like my top genres. So it has all of them. And, um, and it's about the it's about a guy um, Rikuo, and he is um, he's someone that after college he kind of doesn't have a lot of ambition in life. He has settled on working part time at a grocery store, and it's and and on during during work he meets this one girl named Haru, who has a pet raven, which is weird to say out loud, but it's true. And it kind of it, it, and it kind of just goes from there. So I and I remember I want I wanted the show to be a show um, that kept the pacing that it had in the first episode. I wanted the show to stay grounded in dialogue. I didn't want it to be one of those ridiculous dramas where like wild things are happening. And so I've I've been able to watch the first three episodes. Um, quick fun note: there's no OP so far. No OP just uh it just has a uh, a title card uh, where it's just like the anime will play then it goes scene one and then it'll go back to the anime uh so there's no op which is i think is kind of nice and usually uh i think that's usually done when episodes that have no op are usually episodes they want to suck every minute or second they can into getting the story uh, across and i think this show wastes no time to get it's to get its scenes going it does have an ed and the ed is really cool so far what's up Mason, do they even have a credit roll over no. the intro okay no it's just it's literally gotcha. like you know like the, like the typical 30 second a- anime like three minutes with like 30 seconds to a minute of anime title card with that just a scene one yeah scene two scene yeah. three and then back to the anime and then there's an ed at the end okay um yeah, and the ED is a bop. Not gonna lie, it's it's it, it reminds me. It has the same vibe as uh, after the rains ED that uh, MA song uh, refrain, that kind of vibe, which is nice. So, I've really been impressed with the anime so far because it's doing a really good job of introducing uh, a lot of Rikuo's past back into his life in a really organic way um and it's and nothing has been too dragged on nothing drags on everything moves and Rico is not such a sad sap that he's frustrating to watch which is one of my biggest pet peeves in slice of life dramas because usually in slice of life dramas that are not written super well we have a main uh guy or girl who doesn't know how to communicate and that's really frustrating for me to watch because a lot of these issues that are anime, you know, quote unquote, make up are solely because people don't aren't communicating well. Um, I think the biggest example of that is probably just because or like that uh, comedy series gamers where a lot of things are complicated for no reason when it's, they just have to talk to each fucking each other, you know. Um, so, yeah. So episode one opens up with him at the grocery store. He meets that girl, Haru. Haru is... You know, she from the get-go shows some kind of romantic interest in Rikuo. We don't know why yet at this moment. And then also in that first episode, Rikuo's old love interest, 
from college all of a sudden shows up back in his town because she had to transfer jobs and she transferred back to this town she heard from a also old uh, uh ex-classmate that he was working at this grocery store so she visits him and that kind of sends riku for a world he's like holy shit um shinoka shinoka is the ex uh love interest uh shinoka's in town and it kind of and it, it naturally affects him because he has always known and has been fully aware that he likes her like he has the most he likes her he has more than just friend feelings for her and the, what i really liked about the show is that in episode two he immediately addresses that because he is so he's very aware of the fact that he can't just be friends with her because he likes her he, he you know which is like so refreshing to see an anime when a lot of the time it's just like oh i have these feelings and i just don't know how to say them and i'm just gonna suffer for 10 episodes before i do a grand confession you know like that's just <laughs> frustrating you know <laughs> um, only only 10 yeah. episodes yeah true exactly sorry we could, you got uh, you gotta hit that fadeaway handhold at the very end that yeah, fadeaway yeah. handhold yeah, it was worth yeah, the wait so, so um i don't want to say too much about the precise moments of the show what i what i really want to stress is that so far we've been presented with a good handful amount of characters um so far every character is really nice and fits the vibe of the show the voice i think is so nice the, the way that they recorded this really intimately like the the way the way their their voices sound very soft and comforting like they're all like not like they're they're not obviously not whispering into your ear, but it feels that kind. It feels like they're talking to you. It feels like they're just talking, like normal talking. Like it's not. It's not overacting. It's not underacting. It's really nice. The music's really nice to listen to. The art style is interesting. They sometimes uh, wave. They go between hard outlines and like these. It's kind of like watercolored brush not finished enclosures type outlines. It's, and it looks pretty nice. It's, it it adds a nice flair to the show. Um, and I've been really liking the, uh, personal relationships between each character and how they're moving because it's all dialogue that is sound. It's not ridiculous. These characters are obviously thinking, uh, which is nice. They're not just like saying shit like bots, but it make no sense. Um, and yeah, so Take it from me, who is a size of life fucking fanboy who loves his post-college anime settings. This one, so far, third episode three, has good pacing, good music, dialogue is present throughout the entire show. Um, but they don't but they don't always just they don't like narrate to you what each action means. They they allow character actions to speak for themselves so that you can feel what these characters' intentions are as they're doing these things. So um i'm really happy that i'm passing seeing yesterday for me i look i literally watch this every the, the day that it comes out on crunchyroll um yeah so passing this and the hope i'm hoping it stays smart and subtle and nice and the pacing doesn't get fucking ridiculous so passing it yes now this is gonna be a good story oh how many episodes are out I think uh, with with yesterday maybe four. I think I need four. to hurry. I need to hurry up and watch it before it gets too far in. Yeah, I can tell you right now. <laughs> I can tell you right now while you do your next one if you like, if you want, or Mason or maybe. Well, yeah, I'll go. Well, you you can let her know. Uh, yeah. So speaking yeah. of bops that Enzo talked about, Lit. we're talking brand new animal, aka yeah, B N A. 
Uh, this is done by Studio Trigger, and it's the streaming future tense over on Netflix. So when it finishes, you can find it over there. But yeah, the OP of this show is so good. If you when it's good weather outside, you play this through your headphones. You just go out for a walk. You're in for a good mm-hmm. time. It's it's so feel good, and it oh I love the OP so much. Um, the rest of the show that comes after it, eh, not so much. <laughs> so. Oh. Our, our main character is a pretty adorable Tanuki-esque human named Michiru. And she goes to a city, Anima City, and she there's a big festival there, and she meets a uh, Kamina slash Galo slash Legoshi wolfman named Shiro, who is a sort of detective, sort of like protector Batman from animal society, from the humans that are invading this city of animals. Um... And essentially, this animal society is actually, they're called Beastmen. Yes, it's the same name as the Gurren Lagan characters. But these Beastmen can swap between Homo sapien and animal form. So they're able to transfer between the two. And all of them can do this except for our main character, Michiru, because she is a human. She's not a Beastman. She just is has mysteriously turned into a Tanuki which is funny because those are creatures notorious for being able to shapeshift and she can't shapeshift back to being a human. And essentially this story follows her. Uh, first couple episodes are trying to convince people that she's actually not a beast man. She's not an animal. She is a human and trying to find her place in this new city, which, you know, has a bunch of weird rules because it's animals and all that kind of stuff. And it's a, it's a fun little you know, set up. It's got a lot of flair. It's got a lot of that trigger pizzazz and color palette, but it's nice and all. Um, things very quickly get convenient where we get rival gangs. We get this pharmaceutical company, which whenever a pharmaceutical company shows up in a show, they're always evil. I think we all understand that. <laughs> um, there's like this mayor of the city that knows a little bit too much about what's going on. And essentially, we learned that Michiro's situation of being a human who can't transform um, could disrupt, like, the balance and the power struggle between beastmen and humans. And so for the first three episodes, stuff kind of happened, but nothing really grabbed me. It wasn't engaging. It didn't really wow me. I didn't get a sense of, like, a deeper meaning or a metaphor of what was happening. Like, it all happened on screen in front of me, but nothing connected. There was no message there and i was like i I don't know i'm just not really digging it but i like trigger i want to like the show and so i cheated i took full advantage of the fact that actually six episodes have already been released on japanese netflix so I, i kept on watching um and boy i was glad that i did because the show wasn't anything special for the first three episodes but it really showed its stripes to become completely unremarkable as time went on like, this was a very surface-level experience, and, like, besides the nice, like, purple-blue color palette, like, I just was more and more underwhelmed after each episode. They even tried to do, like, a Doro Hidoro, like, baseball-esque arc, and it just, oh. it just, it just did not hold up in any way. Like, this show oh. has a phenomenal OP, check it out for that, but even with Trigger at the helm, like, I just, there just was so little substance to it, and I will be failing it. What she said. I need Trigger to step the fuck up. 
with their yeah. writing, dude. Holy shit. I don't. Man. They can step down and uh, fade fade quietly into that good night. No, they're so talented animators, man. Their animations are so dope, dude. They but need a the, fucking writing team. That's what they're doing. Too many sparkle uh, eyes. Fuck, I don't. I just. Okay. Too many, <laughs> too many pluses everywhere. God damn it, dude. Trigger fucking pisses me off, man. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep this cat. She is just all over me today. And she keeps bumping the mic. I apologize. No one is upset. <laughs> I'm trying. Like, the entire time you're doing your impression, and Mason, she was here drooling on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, my last one. Whew, okay. This one is Ghost in the Shell 2045. It, it is up on Netflix. And the first 12 episodes are currently up. It's going to be 24 altogether. Uh, Netflix uploaded half of it. I have not watched all 12. I watched four. So, but I'm only going to do impressions on the first three. And it is being adapted by the same team as Standalone Complex. Production IG, same mm-hmm. director. I don't know if the entire staff is the same, but I know um, those two are the same as who has been doing Standalone Complex from, you know, the first season all the way up to this. But, um, so yeah, her, I, I love Ghost in the Shell. It has been a very important anime to me in my anime history. So I went into this very excited. And um, so, yeah, it takes place after Standalone Complex. And it references events in the second season and in the Solid State Society movie. Um, Section 9 has been disbanded, with many of them going their separate ways. Um, Motoko, Bato, Saito, and Ishikawa are now in America. And they have joined a um, team called Ghost. And they are now working as mercenaries and they recruited um they also recruited a new character called i think it's just name is just stan <laughs> but uh, standard just stan. i think it's standard but don't they call him stan it was, it was like standard he's like just call me stan and they're like oh we're gonna call you clown <laughs> that was it <laughs> <laughs> so their team is trying to find a guy who has been supplying bandits with powerful weapons. And um, one of their informants uh, says that they are getting their weapons from these people called the one percenters. And when they confront this group, they enter, you know, a firefight with them. And during the conflict, these bandits release a drone. It's on its way to destroy this mansion. And um, Matoko's team managed to take down the drone. But it turns out that the drone had long range missiles on it. And those go off and end up destroying the mansion. And like immediately after that, they're surrounded by this um, U.S. Delta Force squad that uh, takes them into custody. And they, they meet a guy named... John Smith, who looks like he just came straight out of the Matrix, (laughs) (laughs) but he's an American agent and wants to recruit them to go on a rescue mission and has them start doing VR training exercises. And meanwhile, in Japan, Togusa meets up with Chief um, Aramaki again, and Aramaki wants to bring Section 9 back together and has the new prime minister's approval. So now Togusa is on his way to America to look for the major and the rest of the team and try to bring them all back together. So, <laughs> things that I do like about this. Um, I do like seeing just the characters again and referencing um, events in the previous shows, but without them directly telling you what happened. Um, so Togusa and his family went through a lot in this um, Solid State Society movie. And the first thing Aramaki mentions when they meet up is um, mentions that Togusa is going through a divorce. And if you remember events from there, you're like, oh, shoot. Yeah, the what he went through was 
pretty big deal. I can definitely see how it's the consequences of what just happened. So there, there are little bits in there. I was like, oh yeah, that was really cool. It, it reminded me of events. And um, I also like some of the just the little tiny additions to the Ghost in the Shell technology. Um, there's a scene where Togusa is looking at a, a street lit up by neon signs everywhere and like holograms. And he like wipes it away and says, ah, oh, this is what the real world looks like. And like all of those things drop. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. And there was a scene where... Um, his vision is filled with pop-ups because <laughs> of your cyber brain is connected mm-hmm. to the internet and just little additions to that like back in you know pop-ups weren't really a thing back in like that like 95 i think when ghost and shell first came out so now they're trying to add in a little bit more and more and more of things that are more common in um you know modern technology and there's also a woman who mortgaged all of her organs to pay for her cybernetic implants so um, and now her entire body is exposed to threats because she can be easily hacked. And it's just stuff like stuff like that is still cool and still the reason why I love the Ghost in the Shell universe so much. All that is so creative. And I love seeing all the things that they add to the technology in the world. <laughs> what I dislike, the I'm sorry, the animation is awful. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I was waiting for. Right there. Womp, womp, it, I am not somebody who dislikes CG, 3D CG animation. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm far more accepting of it than a lot of anime fans are, especially when it's done really well. But in this, man, I really think the 3D models are so poorly rigged and rigging is when you make a model, you make a mesh and then you attach a skeleton to it. And the skeleton is preventing you from moving the body in ways that are abnormal or, you know, that you can't achieve. So when you move, like, especially face rigging is one of the hardest things to do in 3d CG animation. And when it's done really well, you can get some very great realistic um, facial animations. And a lot of places use more motion cap or um, face scans. But uh, but if you are a really good rigger, like for say, say, for example, Pixar, you can get some really great animations. This, but also the downside is of it with rigging is that you can also do it very quick and very poorly and end up with very stiff, almost action toy looking characters Mm -hmm. and that's unfortunately what's going on with this it's like i don't know how much money was put into it so i cannot say oh it's just cheap i don't know but what they have done is not i do not like it myself they uh, they look like ps2 like cutscene. i was going to say they look i wrote it down in my notes they look more like video game (laughs) cutscenes than like a tv show oh back in the day though Sadly for me, it's just that makes it so hard to watch. And some of the meshes are just, I mean, the hairs are, the hair is just blocks. It just does not look good. I'm, I did see some people saying that they like it. If you do, that's great. But for me, it's very difficult. The Tachikoma fight um, was cool. Yeah, the Tachikomas look great because they don't have faces. (laughs) (laughs) They're They're so real to me, damn it. But yeah, both versions of um, Ghost in the Shell, both the movie and standalone complex, were also very philosophical. The original, you know, being about merging with technology and what it means to be human. And then standalone complex looking, taking a really a deeper look at society and that like follow the leader mentality and how that can apply to even events today. And um, as well as just bringing up corruption in the pharmaceutical companies again <laughs> and conspiracies 
uh, trying to hide diseases that Big cybernetic brain. implants cause. But 2045 just feels more of just an action show. As, as far as the first three episodes, of course, I can't say for the rest of it. But so far, it just feels like an action romp. It's very, for me, it just feels bland and not as thoughtful as you would expect Ghost in the Shell to be. So, yeah, I have a long history of Ghost in the Shell. I'm still going to finish it because I'm already too deep into the series. I literally own everything Ghost in the Shell you can think of because it has been such a huge part of my life. But I don't recommend it. It's not a good jumping on point for Ghost in the Shell. You should definitely go watch Standalone Complex because it's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And you should definitely start with that. And if you get to a point at the end, you're like, I need more. You can try this. But um, yeah, I'm going to fail it for review. If things change and somehow it's just vastly so much better than what it has been, I'll mention it again in the future. But for now, I just, yeah, I'm going to fail it. For now, it exists. Yeah. That is one big pile of shit. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff like Goldblum. The, one of my the, favorite drops The ever. opening of the new Ghost in the Shell was so disappointing. Just like the, oh, the yeah, tone, like the tone of the music and just like the... It does not match. And like it's going for a whole like 1% 99. Like you're nine years mm -hmm. late for this. And you're offering yeah. no substantial death. So I, yeah, I hard agree with Mandy. OG, like the OG opening is yeah. so cool in what it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's Fuck trying me. to do the same thing where it's like that whole making of a cyborg thing going through like the process. And that was something that I loved about the original Ghost of the Shell movie. It's just such a cool animation scene in the beginning and I love it whenever they redo that but this is it's it starts doing that but then it's like this music does not fit yeah. whatsoever with doing the, it for like, the like money the mood of it. <laughs> yeah yeah we're in it for the money anyway and so I don't I don't yeah I don't recommend it those were our impressions we passed yesterday oh Utate and president it's time for battle a brand new animal art and ghost in the shell were all dropped but not forgotten so we will probably touch base on those at the end of the season and with that we are in time for our second weekly trivia question for you before the news break and it is what is the name of the ring of orbital satellites surrounding the planet hasten featured in legend of the galactic heroes think about it put a ring on it a necklace perhaps oh. and we'll and we'll see you in a couple minutes yeah yang wenli come at me <laughs> see you soon Hey, all you anime addicts, Mitsugi's back yet again, bringing you your anime news. Leading us off with some Goku news, Goku Day is May 9th in Japan, I didn't know that, but apparently that's true, and it looks like to celebrate this, they're going to be having an online poll for fans to vote for their favorite outfit that Goku wears, they're going to have 30 different costumes you can vote from that will determine what the overall fav favorite costume is for Goku, although I can't imagine it being anything other than the orange classic uh, you know, costume from the beginning of Dragon Ball Z. So, if you're looking for this, there's the poll is going to be running on the Goku Day special website from May 9th to through the, through the 29th. The, and the website is dragonball.news forward slash 59 campaign. So, if you want to jump on there, it is in Japanese, but it's probably not that hard to navigate. And you can vote for your favorite costume, too, of Goku uh, starting on May 9th. 
Next up, it looks like the HBO Max streaming service is still launching on May 27th. It's going to cost $15 per month, and it's going to have lots of different titles available, including anime properties. HBO Max is going to be offering G-Kids' entire Studio Ghibli library, all 21 films this spring, and this is the first time that Studio Ghibli films will stream on any platform, and they list all of the titles here, but we already know what they all are. Uh, Crunchyroll, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, and Rooster Teeth are also going to offer content through the service. So you're going to have plenty of anime there to choose from. And if you see something on HBO Max that looks like it's very uh, tantalizing to you, go check out their services starting on May 27th. Next up, back to COVID. It looks like Japan may not lift, at least not fully, the restrictions uh, and the state of emergency in Japan on May 6th as they had planned, noting that the rate of infection spread has not slowed as they thought. And the economic revitalization minister, Nishimura Yasutoshi, added that the government must decide whether or not to lift the state of emergency in advance of May 6th to allow schools and companies to prepare. So the government's COVID-9 task force and experts are going to meet this week to talk about the situation. So we'll have to see if Japan lifts their state of emergency in early May or if they keep it uh, locked down for the uh, future. And lastly, we're going to go through some of the anime that are... You have the top rated anime for the week of April 13th through the 19th in Japan. And there's a couple new ones on the list here. Sazai san, of course, is always at the top of the list. But Detective Conan climbing all the way to number two, just behind Sazai san, which is fairly interesting. A new title on the list here Hakushon Dai Maol 2020. So it looks like another kids' anime, but it's coming in at number five just after Doraemon. And going down the list, we're rounding it out with Crayon Shinchan, Anpanman, Precure, and Butt Detective, as usual, on the list. This was Mitsugi, and this was your anime news break. And now, as always, time to get back to the podcast. After parties, hobby addicts, hentai episodes. After parties, hobby addicts, hentai episodes. What in the world are you two doing? I'm trying to sleep here. It's midnight. We're using Mandy's arcane power to do a content prayer dance. Yeah, we're hoping the content gods bless us with thrilling entertainment for the fans. Content prayer dance. You know, there's a much easier way to make better content. How about starting with studying our vast archive of additional content on aaapodcast.com Oh, I already have. I mean, it's only seven bucks a month for almost eight additional episodes every month. That's less than a dollar per extra episode and super easy to get to. Just gotta type aapodcast.com slash join to become a member. You went through the whole archive? It's hundreds of hours. Well, senpai, anything's possible. If you believe. I think I'll just leave you two alone. Hey, is he gone yet? Yeah, ready. Yeah. And now, great moments in Anime Addicts Anonymous history. Do they make reverse kotatsus? A kotatsu that is cooling instead of heating. Just be like, ah, I'm just gonna sit underneath here and chill my balls. You know? <laughs> That's called a refrigerator. Oh, 
yeah, I don't know. Just a refrigerator. <laughs> Putting my but balls in your like, refrigerator. Just, like, just, just open your refrigerator, prop, stick your leg up on like the countertop with your balls just like hanging <laughs> one, free. One day you're going to walk into your kitchen and you're just going to see my bare ass sticking out of your fridge. Your 14-year-old daughter comes home with her friend from, from school and dad is just sitting in the kitchen what, with, no, his, with his hairy ass and his balls no, hanging down in front of the fridge. No, he's, he's like, dad, not again. No, he's sitting on the floor in the living room and he's brought the fridge with him and he's like, like laid it down on top of his body. <laughs> Come himself. to sit around the reverse kotatsu together, <laughs> oh, children. Lord, in heaven. That would be amazing. Can it be a father-son edition where, like, the where, like the yeah. son is on a platform? That's the and advertisement. He, and he's like, and he's cooling his balls too yeah. on like in like the freezer. Right. Yes, exactly. And then you have the kid standing underneath. <laughs> so the dad's balls are hanging on top of the little kid. <laughs> oh, They're no. not touching them. <laughs> it's kind of like a, 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 a an intimate tea bag. Yeah, he's going. He's going bag. under the bridge. And now. Chopin Nocturne action bring you down. I love the contrast between the Nocturne to that fucking cut of the episode. <laughs> it's wild. So, guys, we had an intro trivia question. And that question was, what is the name of the ring of orbital satellites surrounding the planet High Nessen, featured in Legend of the Galactic Heroes? And the very, uh, very cool name, Artemis' Necklace. I'm down for that. Yeah, that's awesome. And guys, if you are a fan of this podcast and you want to get all of our hobby addicts, well, we're giving them away this month in April just to keep you company during your time indoors. Going forward, though, that will not be the case. If you want to enjoy those episodes, our hentai episodes, our hobby addicts, our after parties, you can get them now via an exclusive members-only RSS feed that is available from the top bar of our website. If you go to aaapodcast.com join, you can sign up, help out the podcast. You're going to be getting hundreds of additional exclusive episodes. We have something like 650 episodes now in the exclusive backlog, and you'll be able to access them via Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, CastBox, Overcast FM, Downcast, pretty much the vast majority of the places where you would listen to your podcasts. And with this Chopin playing, just how could you not? You know? How could you not? Just slide right in like a like a like the smoothest Chopin arpeggio Actually, and listen to our Mitz, episodes. Mitz, could, could you could you raise the nocturne? I want to walk everyone through something. Alright, everyone, everyone listening, close your eyes. Close your eyes, everyone. Just close your eyes. Fo- follow me through this, okay? Yes. That means you who's working and you who's reading. Put your pens down, put your pencils down, put your book down, put the put the Nintendo Switch down. Put it down. And think about the fact that in a world of in a pandemic, you're still alive. You're alive enough to listen to four idiots talk about anime for <laughs> almost three hours. And that's something that's pretty beautiful, isn't it? And if you drive He called us idiots. Deep breath. How do in. I feel about this? Mandy, Mandy, deep breath in. No! <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's like, he told me to put my switch down. I'm going through withdrawals. And deep breath out. I don't want to flex too hard, but if you come into my apartment, I'll play that Nocturne for you in person. Okay. And uh, next up, next up, we have some iTunes action. It's time for iTunes review. Apparently, I just colored everything green on the outline in this section. Um, This this five-star review is by... um, Amane Chan. Who 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 else would like to read something? 
I could, I could, I could do oh, this. Oh shit! Here he, here he comes. Yeah, let's get it. So Amane Chan gives us five stars, and they write, "Thank you." I never listened to a podcast before, but I needed something to listen at work besides music and watching YouTube videos because that would get me fired. So oh. a coworker suggested I listen to a podcast. I decided to give it a go and looked up an, and looked up anime podcast, and this was a top ten must listen to podcast. Uh, pot, must listen to podcasts listed for anime lovers. I lo- and I've loved it ever since. I only been a part of the AAA for a short time, but I love the Discord and the extra podcasts you can listen to when oh. you become a member on their website. The anime club is great, and I'm hoping to find time to join the manga club. This podcast has definitely made my anime addiction worse, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you. Well, Amanichan, honestly, thank you for supporting us with the by being a paying subscriber. That is truly what keeps us going one million percent. So thank you so 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 much. And I'm glad that we can provide entertainment for you while at work. I know me who works long days, long hours in in an office and currently from home, trust me, I know how special it is to have something that you can look forward to to kill some of your your time at work with. I thought you were gonna say coworkers. Oh that too. I feel like if, if I feel like if you put someone okay, listen here, guys. If you put someone in a room, right, and you play our podcast only for ten like ten days straight, oh, we probably do some mental damage. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. I'd like oh, to think oh, so. That is right, not twenty four hours a day for ten hours in a room mm-hmm. with nothing in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thank you, Amane Chan, and also thank yeah. you for showing up to the anime clubs. It's been yeah. a blast having you there. They're lovely. Yeah. Oh, forget waterboarding. I think mean, I think we have that beat badly. Like you, you could really do some damage with uh with just the sound of our voices for an extended period. Absolutely, mm. yeah. Our and voices are like are like knives to the nervous system. <laughs> poop talk. We would yeah. n- we would never. Yeah, but I oh, already oh, ate this shit burger. Damn it, Kazuo! Oh, God damn it, Kazuo! Oh, fuck. All right. Alrighty. You ready for the review? <laughs> Let's get it. Let's do it. All right. So we are reviewing Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Uh, how do you say this? It's like di di new thesis. Dinoya something. New new thesis. It's just the new thesis. It's literally trying to say the new thesis in Deutsch. Their language. Deutschgo. Oh, Deutschgo. Oh, But yeah. So this is. <laughs> this is season two. We did review season one. Was it last year? It was yeah, something like that. And uh, I know Cosmo was still on the podcast at the time. It may have been two years ago. I'm, I'm gonna look it up real quick. I believe we reviewed it pretty highly. So um, this is season two, and it is available on Crunchyroll, Verve, and Funimation. Um, being same studio, production IG, same staff as far as I know. And season one ended in a very, um, very abruptly, right before the start of a war. So season two picks up straight after that. We get to see the actual... Um, like this war take take uh, take place and then go on from there. And um, so to give you a little bit of a rundown of what Legend of the Galactic Heroes is, if you have if you're newer to anime and don't know, because it is a very, very popular series. But um, yeah, so it's uh, set in the future where um, humans or people have uh, colonized space. And um, there are two different factions, the Galactic Empire, which is a monarchy ruled by um, the Kaiser Frederick 
family. I bet, or um, I think that's just the uh, leader, Frederick, I believe his name was. Yeah, it's like but the Golden Bomb family or something. Golden like Bomb, that. yeah, that was it. And um, then there are there is the Free Planets Alliance, which is a democracy. And now, uh, for the first time in history, because this war has been going on for a long time over uh, control of territory and space. Um, now, for the first time, two military geniuses have joined the stage. We have Reinhard Lohengram on the Empire side, and then in the Alliance, we have the best character, Yang Wenli. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> there is a constant war on this podcast over <laughs> these characters. But yeah, so first, the first time they have joined the fight, and now we are taking the war into a very um, decisive place. It is, it is just blown up. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's where... The background up behind Legend of Galactic Heroes, where we ended in season one, um, I, not to give any spoilers in case you haven't seen it, and if you haven't, you should probably check that out before you listen to this review, but um, the Alliance tried to, to invade into Empire territory, They're, they got so exhausted in doing so their uh, supply lines were very exhausted um, there's a lot of conspiracy this is a very highly political anime and so now right at the end of season one we started up with the um, I think it was Astarte um, I think that was the name of the war uh, so Amristar Amristar yeah Amristar. there's like Astarte and then there's Amritsar. there's lots of but, similar sounding names yeah. and a lot of them so don't <laughs> We will make mistakes in this review. Oh, I'm I sure. Pr- I yeah. promise you. Uh, the original came out in like 88. This one yeah, is, um, this ad- adaptation is um, uh, is uh, more closer to the novels, which came out in like 82. So there are some small changes here and there in the um, the way that they were adapt- uh, adapted. So uh, yeah, let's go ahead and go with our expectations. What are your expectations going in? I'll go first. Go first. First of all, I'm on Team Yang, just so you know. Hell uh, yes! Yang crew assemble! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. He fought for your democracy, Mason! Get out of here! I mean, listen. He took his headphones off. Listen. <laughs> it's because your eyes and your heart are clouded over. Are they? That's what they said in the show. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I just got some big, goofy sunglasses over my eyes. I expected anyway, more um, Legend of the Galactic Heroes. I thought it would be the exact same tone and quality as the first 12 episodes that we got of the remake. So... You know, space battles and politics. And um, I think I think that was pretty much what I got. Anyway, that's about it. Yep. <laughs> hey, I can go next, though. Um, so what I expected going in was, like Mitsugi said, a lot of space stuff, a lot of political which stuff boy, in which said boy, space. Which you know? boy? Which um, boy? Which boy? I, uh, which I also expected boy, some big old ships. Boy. Big old ships with big old cannons with big old people sitting on big old chairs saying big old words in big old sentences. And I'm sure that's what happened in the anime, but I wouldn't know because I couldn't fit this into my fucking watch time this week. And I'm so sorry, listeners. So I will be here providing insightful questions to the three hosts that actually did the homework. Enzo. Pick a side Democracy coward. or monarch? <laughs> Come on, fight for democracy, I- Enzo. <laughs> I literally can't go oh against democracy. Goodness. I'm sorry, Mason. Yes! I'm so sorry. Yeg Wenli group assemble. I'm so sorry, friend. 
And that is my, and I'll be quiet for a while now. Okay. Good luck, my fellow co-hosts, for uh, doing good jobs. Thanks, amigo. Uh, my initial mm-hmm. impressions, uh, I do want to point out that these came out as three films uh, in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yes, these yes. were three films, four episodes each. So that's one reason why they don't have sort of the pacing or like OPs that a classic might have had. But we'll touch on that later because I want to talk about it. Um but no, my initial impressions, the original 90s OVA is like a true personification of the word epic. It's 110 mm-hmm. episodes of damn near perfection. It wastes no time over that entire time. It's complete. It's well-rounded. It's an immensely human tale of like tactical, political, and philosophical warfare. Um, I often reference it. I think other people do, too. It's one of the finest anime of all time. And despite that, I don't think it's overhyped. I think it ages with charm and grace. And I think even if this remake completed everything that the original Artland masterpiece had, like, I just don't see this being able to step out of the shadow of its older brother. Like, much like the Kino's Journey remake, I just inherently find the original superior. Um, so this has a lot to live up to in my mind. And, um, you know, going into it, I... Like Mitz, I expected more of season one, and it jumps right into it. So you need to either refresh yourself or rewatch it. There is no flashback. There is no rewind. It doesn't baby you back into it. You need to come in ready to go. So I think we can go to our spoiler free. I haven't done my expectations. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to do mine. Uh, yeah, yes. I pretty much the same. I expected more of season one, but um, where we were going in season one, like where this picks up, there are two very major uh, events that happened that in the original made me cry. <laughs> so I was expecting to, I, like I that had high expectations for me. I wanted to see how those were adapted and um, if there are any changes in the novels. Um, so, yeah, I was very interested in seeing that. And it's interesting because those two scenes, both in the original and in this, I've heard so many different people support both of them and like how they were presented. So whew, it's going to be a very interesting discussion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was expecting more of the same and uh, very pretty boys in space. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go into our spoiler-free recommendations. We'll go down the same in the same rotation. This is pretty much as easy as it's ever going to get um, for this section. I mean, it's simple. If you watch the first twelve episodes and you like them, then you watch this one and you're going to be fine. If you d- if you watch the first twelve episodes and you did not like them, then you should not watch this. If you have not watched the first twelve episodes, you should not watch this because you will be so lost. Um, yeah. So it's simple as that. I mean, there's not much else to say. So, cool. If I can't convince you to watch the original one, which you can find on High Dive, um, yeah, I also recommend it, this adaptation. Like, it's it's not complete. It's partial, but like it covers what it does cover well. I was still engaged with it. Um, and if you do like it, maybe you'll go back and watch the original. Um, the, the core story is still enthralling. I think Production IG does a good job applying a new coat of paint, um, and it really shines in the massive space battles. They just look as epic as they should, and I'm going to say that E-word a lot today. Um, <laughs> I think a big strength of the show is there's an onslaught of names and ranks, and there's a lot of depth in the factions. But you can... There's a lot of like 4D chess at play, but you can 
engage with the show as much as if you want. If you just want to like watch the like surface level stuff and not like get in the weeds, you can still enjoy it. And I think it excels no matter how much time you want to give its attention to. So I think almost anyone could enjoy the show unless you're nonstop like, oh, I just want to see Sakuga and violence yeah. or something like that. So I think a lot of people could get something out of this. Um, I think we're all going to echo this line a lot. It's more of season one. Um, despite it being a movie, it looked kind of on par. It didn't look like phenomenally better or worse. You could just keep on watching from season one and not even know the difference. Um, my boy Kurtzius is back in stunning fashion. Um, if my tactical husbando isn't enough to sway you, I uh, feel pity for your soul. Uh, watch <laughs> Legend of the Galactic Heroes in any form, in any iteration, and it's mm. it's still good. I, I agree. I passed this because I just wanted to talk about Legend of Collecting Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> Look, guys, the original is phenomenal. It's one of my 10 out of 10s. And, um, but I do agree that it can be hard for certain people to get into. There is a lot of politics. There is a lot of dialogue. And if you're not into politics and you just watch anime for, you know, shonen battles, it is not going to be for you because it's very long. And um, something that I... Uh, I think should I should mention is that the original adaptation changes the novel like it added so many more additional scenes to flesh out characters motivations certain events um, so it is a different experience but if you are interested in it and you just cannot get through a lot of the politics I think this is a good jumping on point um, I think this one is a little bit easier to watch for people who are not interested in that and uh, yeah no I think it's still great just watch one of them please just either yeah. either adaptation I don't care what you do you can read the books just experience it and get on team yang that's all i'm asking i mean or something else or the other side kirchner is mean, so good he's so pure <laughs> I, I also do want to mention you know we talk about like oh if it's not your usual thing like i do not like space operas i am not Same. a fan of star mm -hmm. wars i'm not a fan of star trek i'm you can go down the list i it just does not appeal to me this is as much of a space epic as you can get but it's just so damn good that I enjoy it. So even if this is normally not your MO, just give it a chance. I I encourage you. And I think that season two is better than season one. Yeah, I agree. All right, so let's go ahead and spoilers. Spoilers are coming. Oh my God. All right, where do we want to start? We want to start with how dirty fucking job Trinic is. <laughs> <sighs> The worst. I <laughs> now his true colors are starting to show. <laughs> the one thing I really I think was worse about this remake than the original. Uh, I felt like the the evilness of the bad characters were a lot less well rounded and well scoped. They just seemed so yeah. like obviously bad that I'm like, okay, like I know there's hundreds of characters and we don't have time to spend it on everyone, but something about them just felt a little too over the top. Yeah, no, I agree that one of the biggest scenes for me from the original in this felt a little bit too cartoonishly evil, where in the original it felt more realistic. And um, we'll, we'll talk more about that scene later on because it's a very big, major part of the series. But um, yeah, so where, where did you guys want to start? Do you want to start with the um, Amritsar Star Zone battle? Yeah, so I mean, essentially the first mm. movie was the... Uh, 
it's you know the first movie is the war between the two interstellar factions the second movie is moving to like the civil wars of the internal struggles and then the third mm-hmm. movie is the conclusion of those internal struggles and like the losses on both sides personal mm-hmm. commanders that will propel them forward so yeah. uh yeah we can start with the the like the interstellar war first yeah so oh did you want to go ahead Mitz? sorry no i mean i just i have some little it's, comments it, i'm going to sprinkle here and there i actually didn't like this season as much as the first one and i think i'll get into oh, okay. why as we go but i was just thinking about that battle and how how it panned out and you guys are gonna have to fill in the gaps on like the technical details because yeah because it's been a while because while watching it you know i'm not i'm not a legend of the galactic heroes expert but a lot of the battles in this season in this 12 episode chunk of this you know larger story including this first section i wasn't really i wasn't really all that impressed with them i i wasn't as compelled like it seemed like the 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 anime was very um satisfied with having one side be clearly tactically better than the other and a lot of the battles felt very um short and kind of just uninteresting because like one one side rushes in the other side you know does their thing and then five minutes five seconds later five minutes would be would be a blessing you know 30 seconds later one side is just totally routed and it happened over and over and over again in this 12 episode chunk and i think this is where that started or like one side is just it's almost like watching like an NBA player play a high schooler in one on one. I mean, and every time a commander was like, "We will push forward on the aggressive attack," you're like, they, "Oh, they oh you're lost, you lost, yeah, you lost." Like, field? Every time. yeah, like, yeah, like <laughs> it was so easy to see how it was going to play out yeah. from just by the personalities of the commanders. So, so yeah, so yeah. where we left off in season one, um, they the. Uh, Alliance leaders were wanting to go to war as into um, invade Empire space. There were, you know, people who are pro-war and people who are anti-war. And Job Trinick, <laughs> fucking dirtbag of this series, uh, he was during a private conferences campaigning to go to war. He's like, no, we we should do this. And then, when, but when it came time to vote, he voted against it because he knew it was going to fail. So. He has been using he has been using war as a way to propel himself forward and just does not care about the losses of this or the people who are dying during this or what it can mean for the alliance. All he cares about is himself politically, which is very believable to me. <laughs> like but yeah, um then of course during the expedition expedition they get you know, exhausted and um, with resources because they're trying to liberate empire territories. But all of these territories, now that they're cut off from the empire, need resources. So they're giving their resources away. And uh, this co- creates so much more conflict. And of course, Reinhardt's like, now's the perfect time to strike back. And yeah, uh, yeah then, um, but during the conflict, Bittenfield over extends and because he he's just so i guess wrapped up in the bloodlust of it like yeah we're just gonna take him down and but he leaves himself vulnerable to a counterattack. and yang when lee's like you good done thing goofed. i'm a genius <laughs> at this good thing and, i read uh, a history book once and i'm the smartest boy alive look yang when lee reads a lot okay he's read a lot of history he drinks books. a lot of tea too he drinks a lot of tea With too. brandy yeah. or whatever. And, yeah, he says, and a lot of alcohol. And not just a little brandy, a lot of brandy. Uh, 
Did we get did we get that scene in this? I don't think we did where he said um, alcohol was the greatest friend of humanity. It's in the original. I don't think we got. I don't think it was in this one. No, I just I I recall him saying he was like put brandy in my tea, and then the girl's like, all right, all right. So you wanted tea and and a bit of brandy, and he cracks her, and he's like, no, a lot of brandy, (laughs) a lot of brandy. Yeah, and so the alliance withdrawal, of course it was a failure, but Yang Wenli, you know, kept the losses at a minimum. And in doing so, he is promoted to um, admiral. As often happens. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a parallel in this series between the people who rise in the ranks between not abusing their power, but like, I don't know, scheming or just like not really earning it. And the good guys like, working through the battles or they're smart and like earning it in a different way and there's also a big parallel which mandy kind of alluded to earlier is like Mm -hmm. the the soldiers the common man who's fighting for leaders or commanders that are just flawed or wrong but they don't have a choice they're there for this one thing and even if they know that this is not the side or whatever that they agree with they are sucks too bad and it's like the powerlessness of people in the face of incompetence is the show just nails that frustration so well. Yeah. And now that the war was such a huge loss, but because during voting job Chernick voted against the war now, you know, the entire population is like, Oh, he's great. He was the one who was right. And uh, he is he gains temporary head of the government and oof, oof, what a dirt bag. I love it. My fit. One of my favorite scenes is still when Yang Wenli has to beat him during his promotion and shakes his hand and immediately washes his hands. But oh, in yeah. the books, they mentioned that he like scrubs his hands raw, but they, I guess they didn't show that much in this though. He washed it. He was just washing it. I think he, he said he was him. washing it multiple times. Yeah. Maybe. He, yeah. He, yeah. he, he, he he put a little more soap in his hand than he needed to. We'll just say that. I love Yang Wenli so much. He's aight. He's aight. <laughs> but yeah, then a lot of shit's going on in the Empire, too, where um, the Kaiser Frederick just passed away, and now, woof, that creates a storm of... Uh, <laughs> Essentially just like a power vacuum. Yeah, a power vacuum, yeah. <laughs> and you just have all the nobles trying to side up and like play games and promise their offspring as marriage and s- playing all those mm-hmm. games and yeah but then <laughs> our then boy Reinhard up- just steamrolls <laughs> <laughs> he's like excuse me no <laughs> I would like to appoint this five-year-old <laughs> yes so yeah uh the um the son of Ludwig, who was already passed away when this started, um, I think he's Frederick's grandson, I believe, because I think Ludwig was his was Frederick's son. So I think he's the grandson, but he's only so. five, um, Erwin, and now he is Kaiser. And Reinhard is appointed to support him and becomes the commander of the space fleet and a marquis. Yes. <laughs> our boy. Our boy moved up fast. He's, I love him. He's good. Uh I'm so excited about this. I just love... There's so much going on. There's so much political intrigue yeah. and just events in here that feel real to me. Like, 
there are good things about every, like good and bad things about everybody and like even on like the empire side and the um you know the democracy that it's just you can tell that it's not black and white they're not like oh yeah democracy good empire bad there's like you can see there's so much corruption in uh the um the alliance and then there are good and bad people in the empire it's just so fascinating it makes it feel so realistic Oh, it just easily draws you in. Yeah, you can't cheer for either side. And the great thing about this is right now, like what Mitz is saying, a lot of the battles are clearly obvious. This is the guy you're cheering for. This is the guy who's bad and evil and makes dumb mistakes. And they kind of do that for these first 30, 40 episodes of like to say, okay, here's the people you care about. Here's the people you jive with and you agree with. And you agree with people from this side and people from this side. And that's what the show is building towards. But then those people start fighting each other. And then you're like, well, damn. <sighs> I don't know who to cheer for. I don't. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I side with everyone here. Like, and then you realize this is this is why war is terrible. This is why it's bad. And this is why the aspirations of Yang and other people are so honorable in this turbulent time. And it makes it so much difficult. Speaking is difficult. It makes it hard going forward it's trying okay. to analyze who you side with more. And you just you care for everyone. So we're still on yeah. our way there. We're still weeding out the worst characters. But I'm I'm excited. Do you guys want to jump into the overarching plot line of the season? Which is the um, I mean, it kind of. Well, both both Empire and Alliance sides ha- are now in their own inter- internal um, conflicts. Um, right. There is an exchange of prisoners, which I love. I love that scene where um, where he comes in with the uh, with the prisoners, and Poplin is like, "Why does everybody find him so attractive?" <laughs> he gets super salty about it because all the girls are like, "Ooh, Kershaw's is so hot." And that's where they say it's because your eyes and heart are clouded over. I love Poplin's so great though. I he's such a dirt bag, but he's hilarious. I like I I like the exchange of prisoners and there's the scene where like it's revealed that maybe there's like insurgents hidden within the prisoners and Yang mm-hmm. just looks up at the sky where the prisoner ships are coming in and you just see a sea of like ships coming yeah. in and like you feel like the dread of like these are millions of our citizens. We are returning. This should be a good thing. But you know, the Yang knows. There, yeah. There's like bad stuff in there, and it's like the it's just the disconnect between success and failure. Like is coming on board the same ship that it's, oh, it's so cool. Yeah, but yeah, no, I like that part where um, Kirchie shows up and they're shaking hands. It's just I don't know. There's something about it because you would expect like any normal typical anime it'd be like, oh, the bad guys, and they'd be like like cartoonishly evil. But it felt so. It's the two best boys. It's the yeah. two best boys together at last, and everyone is happy. See, we why can't we agree like that? <laughs> But uh, yeah, and then after that, there's a lot of internal conflicts on both sides. And Reinhard kind of started this um, this return of prisoners to get a, an agent into the alliance, but also to kind of say, hey, let's cease this war for a minute because I got shit I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, both sides suffer a very tremendous loss and um, very, um, very, two very critical scenes on both sides. So do we want to start with the Alliance side? Uh, do we have any other comments before we get into this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because these are two very important scenes. Yeah, this is kind of what I think the 
the review hinges on because up until this yeah. point it's been kind of just the show going about its course mm-hmm. Mitz any comments or no I mean I think that the the events that happen after the prisoner exchange and I mean I think that that's the whole season so yes. yeah. um, I think that like you know discussing those events is enough to pretty much blanket most of the uh, most of the anime I mean there are overarching comments here and there but I think the plot line is the most important. Yeah, okay. Lead us off, Mandy. So, um, yeah, now that we are in the Alliance, we know that there's an agent in there who is trying to basically start shit in the Alliance. And um, was it Andrew Falk shoots Chief um, Kubersley, which kind of kicks us off. And now there are explosions all over the Alliance and Dwight Greenhill, which is um, Frederica... It's Frederica, right? Frederica? That doesn't that sound right. My brain just... I'll look froze. it up. The name, there's so many names in this that I'm like... There is, I'm like, yeah. holy shit. And I'm like, half of them are German, which makes it even harder. So Yeah, I'm looking up. Yeah, it is um, Fred... Frederica. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Nice. It, it <laughs> sounded odd, but maybe it's just... She she is um, one of Yang's subordinates, but um, her father, Dwight Greenhild, starts to plot a coup against the Alliance, and they've called themselves the National Salvation Military Council, and they ask Yang to join them. And uh, he's like, no, I fight for democracy <laughs> and because they're trying to suspend the democratic institution in the alliance during this coup. And some crazy shit happens. Basically, there is a, a peaceful protest with, um, oh, shoot, what was her name again? I wrote it down. I forgot her name again. The, uh, the Yang f- fangirl? Her friend, yeah. Or his friend, sorry. Jessica? Jessica, Jessica, thank Edwards. you. I know, I know, I wrote it down. I just can't find it in my She's notes. I've lost girl. my place. Yeah, she starts a peaceful protest against the war and the coup. And um, uh, during this, there are um, soldiers there. And in the original, one of them accidentally shoots somebody. It starts a riot, and then it just becomes a giant massacre. And this one, I don't know. Did it feel too cartoonishly evil to me? I... This- this I was like the part that was the worst, the most disappointing for me. I don't know if there was more of this in season one that I forgot or if it was just better in the original. But I remember watching this one. And if I didn't know what Jessica meant to Yang and his friends, like, I don't think I would have known to care. I felt like, oh, she's just some lady who happens to die. And I think that maybe that was in season one and I forgot. But I think that was one messed up. But I also agree. The... There was like this glorified slow-mo of her like getting bludgeoned with like these weird like sparkle effects like during her actual death scene. And it just felt so strange and out of place like yeah. when it actually happened. And like you said, the cartoonish evilness of the person who's like, I'm just going to line these people up. And yeah, it just I don't remember that happening in the original. I thought it was more of an, an accident. Like he got, you know, was scared and shot somebody and that started like a storm. It visually, visually, I thought the art and animation in the show looked good most times, except this one like very important scene. I thought there was a grave misstep with it, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it was just kind of odd and strange. And they like moved past it in a very strange way. Yeah. Like it just was not handled with a lot of depth. 
but Jessica in this is shot, and she was one of Yang's um, friends. Does and uh, Does she get shot? I thought sorry. she got clubbed in the head with a... Yeah. Did she get clubbed in the head? I can't yeah. remember. I'm sorry. He hit her yeah, hard. Yeah, she like bludgeoned or something. He broke the damn thing, and he hit her with it. I don't know. Did that happen in the original? Or was she shot in the original? I don't remember. To me, the scene was very quick. Like it, like um, yeah. It was yeah. like boom. There's this protest, and then like three seconds later, Jessica was dead. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like whoa. Yeah. So I mean, maybe it's yeah. because this, like um, I, I haven't watched much of the original, but I, I did watch part of the beginning, and the first thing I noted was that the this new one goes like way faster. Um, it's, yes, it, yeah, it, it, it is hauling ass. So I don't know if in the original, maybe they kind of take take a couple of breaths in that scene, but like yeah, he. Sh- that scene wasn't that long, and she died. And she's she's she was a very important character in the first season. So I think it was kind of quick. It was kind of surprising to just like dispatch her like that. And then honestly, her her death didn't seem to have much impact on anything. Which like Yang wears sunglasses for a couple days. Yeah, and, that's and you it. you feel for him. But I, I I felt like you know the the events leading up to her death happened about the same as in the original. I just think it was the impact didn't feel as strong in this season. Hmm. I do think it's a very important scene overall to showing how there is a, also a lot wrong in this supposed democracy. They have a pro- peaceful protest that turns into a massacre. I think it was like 20,000 people died in it. Yeah. It's insane. But um, yeah, I remember in the original, I was like, I was like ready to cry in the original. Both this scene and the next scene we're going to talk about. I was like, oh my God, that just hurt me. It was so yeah. hard to watch. The next other scene is on the Empire side. So like, yeah, this is this is a difficult oh, one. Hand. It's so weird because I've I've heard... I've heard arguments from both sides on how this is better and then how the original is better. I personally think the original is better with the scene. That's just my personal opinion. But um, basically, in the Empire side, they are at war because the no- the nobles are um, fighting against Reinhard. They they don't they want to put somebody else in power, and but Reinhard. Um, tricks one of them into uh, killing one of his own subordinates and sows kind of uh, the fear of treason throughout the entire empire. And at the end, uh, because there is a riot on one of the worlds, um, the, um, oh, what was his name? The Duke. Um, Braunschweig? Was it bon- Braunschweiger? Uh, <laughs> I don't remember his name. I'm so sorry. Uh, is that the guy who I think was his like, name is Braunschweig. I think it was. Who yeah. was like poisoned like with the wine bottle yes, yes, by the yeah, way yeah. that was time out that was the best like visual ad- like representation of death like mm-hmm. like it, this like guys like being forced to drink from like this poisoned wine bottle and it's like yeah. made to look like a gun barrel and like you see like the red wine like dripping down like to look it looks like blood but it's like you can tell it's wine like that looked so much good why did they put so much effort and artistic merit into the death of this scumbag loser like throwaway scene instead yeah. of like the most important character's death but anyway but, but yeah. yeah it was on westerland there is a riot and um one of his nephews is killed in the process and so he's you know so corrupt with power he's like you know what nuke them 
blow them all up. <laughs> and um, so in the original, Oberstein knows that this is going to happen. And he tells Reinhardt. And Reinhardt's like, we have to stop this. We have to tell them. And then we have to intercept it. And Oberstein's like, no, just let it go. Because now you're everyone's going to be turned against this guy. And you're going to seen, be seen as the good guy. But Reinhardt is very adamant. And then um, what happens in the original is Oberstein doesn't tell him that the nuke went off until after it's already over. And Reinhardt is so heartbroken over it because he's like, I could have stopped that. And this one, Reinhardt agrees with him. He's like, overseeing, you know, gives him counsel and says, no, you should let it go off. And Reinhardt's like, okay, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's worth killing like four to six million people to save like yeah. two something, three billion. Yeah, that's what, that's what happens. And um, I've heard different things. Some people say that they like this one more because of the events afterwards with Kirchies because Kirchies is he's upset with Reinhardt that you would do this. Like you would be okay with it. And some people say it makes more sense to them that they would have this conflict right before um, another really big event and make, give Reinhardt more, um, uh, more regret. But I don't know. In the original, I still can't see Reinhardt doing that. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. I, I'm I'm fine with it both ways. Um, Sorry. (laughs) More of my comparisons were in the scene itself, but go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, because in the original Reinhard, um, Kirchies goes up to Reinhard and says, how could you let this happen? Reinhard's like, I didn't know it was going to happen. I'm sorry. Like, I didn't know (laughs) until, like, there was nothing I could do. Like, yeah. And then Kirchies is like, oh, okay, I still follow you. You know, I'm I'm still loyal to you. And this one, they get into a fight because Reinhard's like, no, this... This is war. We have this is what she, these are the sacrifices you have to make. And Kirchie's like, I used to know you, man. It's like I don't think you should have done that. And he's like, Did I ask for your goddamn opinion? I didn't think so. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a really Yikes. weird change. I think I like the original more because I just can't see Reinhardt doing that. But I don't know. I do understand the the argument. Yeah, I mean, Overseen is definitely much more of a. Uh, like on like you're not really supposed to know like where he's coming from in the original he's and i a think robot. he yeah he comes off a little too as with everything a little too obvious but uh the actual death scene if we want to go over that really quickly yes um essentially the disgruntled uh underling of Braunschweig. i think that's what we determined his name was if not we're Why just Braunschweig, so <laughs> whatever we're going well, with it. Yeah. Um, well, he he well, vows like a sausage. Well, he vows that like he will. Cheese. Yeah, he will. He vows that he'll kill Reinhard. He uh, essentially gets audience with him. He just pulls out a like a grenade launcher from the funeral casket of his like fallen boss when they're like surrendering, and goes to aim it at. Reinhard essentially Kirchies notices this, tackles him, and in the scuffle, uh, gets killed lasered. by lasered. I don't think they show it in the new one, but it's like from a ring that the guy the has ring, on. Yeah, they don't show and, the ring, uh, but they show the laser. Yeah, so he he. It's pretty apparent that he dies from his wounds. They have a little touching moment between Reinhard and Kirchies before he passes away. And it's sad, and it was done so much better in the original. I was actually watching them side side by side to compare. And 
it's it's not even close. Like there's so many little details that it misses out on. For one thing, when the guy aims this rocket launcher at Reinhard, like in the original, Oberstein jumps in front of Reinhard. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. you see him, like, "Hey, I'm here to protect you." And none of that in the new one. Um, you see that that comes from a ring in the original. Um, sure, it looks better, but all these details are lost. And the most important thing is in the original when. Uh, like we noticed that, you know, like this is definitely going to be Kirch's last moments. Like the screen, it's almost like a play where like the, the whole screen goes to black and you just see Reinhardt and Church. He's like lit up with mm-hmm. like a white light and this like tragic note is playing and he like walks over to him and it just hits so much harder. In the original, he's like, Kirchie's like, he would never die before me. And like that implies like, I'm going to die but like he he'll live on in five me. minutes. Give and, me five yeah, minutes. Yeah, in the new one, he's like he would never <laughs> die and leave me behind. Like he's not even considering his death. Like the level of depth that they miss out on, and like they don't even touch on the fact that like a couple episodes later, like they talk about how like the Barbarossa, like the Kirchies, like red sh- flagship, like is like permanently moored on Odin next to like Reinhard's ship, and mm-hmm. like oh, just like thinking about this massive vessel, just like perpetually like moored in place like never to fly again is so like soul crushingly like and you just don't get that emotion at all and i was even expecting i'm going to talk about later i was hoping in the op for the final episode to not have his ship there oh man! i I was like i would have been like "Ooh, if they hit this that'll be so fantastic and they just didn't do it and i was like oh you missed out you missed out because this moment has so much in it and it just mm-hmm. it, it was done fine but it's it's, it's just, very important it's not for Reinhardt's growth yeah uh, into the future yeah as we uh, as we continue into this review I just want us to keep our eyes on the clock we're, sorry we're pretty, I got excited uh, yeah excited. I mean all all I really wanted else to touch on is the music after this so give your thoughts on important. this or whatever else we need to talk about space battle axes. Yeah. Oh We're, shit. We got space battle axes back. I fucking and Ruinthal have a great bromance. They're oh, definitely yeah, they the, the mm-hmm. oh, oh, <laughs> true pairing of this. I love them. The OTP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I knew there was an O and a P. I forgot what went in the middle. I was like, they're the OP OTPs. They're, the OP OTP. Exactly. They're uh, they're great. They're not as cool. Battle Axes is the original with like the bright yeah. red, like velvetly gushing blood that you see, but it's still pretty cool. I guess so the original in like the beginning, there were space battle axes. And when the remake came out, we we're like, where's our space battle axes? So it, we, it was highly anticipated. I'm happy we got them yeah. back. It was the space battle axes I think I wanted a little more of. I think the reason why I, mm-hmm. I, I like the first section of the, of the show a little better than the second is because. I like the politics, like I'm fine with it, but I but but giving but having it be like almost all politics gets a little slow for me. So, like the first season had the the Isserloin or however you call it, um, the Sherlorn Fortress or inf- whatever infiltration, and that was cool. And there were and there were a couple other battles that were a little more interesting. Like the first one was really cool, and right at the beginning of the first season. Um, so like that's this section of this season when with the. I don't remember his name, but he's just a fucking badass. Like Kratos, Kratos, little bastard with his huge axe, and he just wanted to kill people. I was like, man, 
this was like this was like what I want. I, I wanted maybe another episode or two of just like let's have some cool fucking battles in space. Um, and they're probably setting setting up more of that later with all with all the politics. But um, it was the just the the just the brutalness and the just badassery of the guy with his axe and you know he still has his honor and he you know and it's kind of funny like he just wants to fight like honorably and the other side's trying to like use tactics and kind of outsmart him and he's just like <laughs> you cowards and of course <laughs> you know because they know they can't beat the guy he's a freaking tank um yeah but um so i think like comparing the two seasons as i'm gonna do um you know ultimately this is just kind of like my final my final thoughts i guess um, I think I liked the first season a little more because it was a little more active than the second season. So, you know, I think I'm, I'm fine. I think I'd like like a, I understand this is more of a political show than anything, but if I could have it my way, it would be like 65% politics and 35% like the results of the politics and not so much just the politics. And so I really appreciated this episode and, and I really thought like the Artemis necklace scene was pretty neat. I, although, mm, although, yeah. although, although I'll tell you that necklace thing was awfully badass, and it went down like a like a bitch. Like it was just <laughs> like here come these meteor rockets. Boom! Here come gone. some ice cubes. <laughs> like 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 the the necklace itself was cool, but I was really shocked by how quickly that thing went down. I was like, damn! All it took was a couple like rocket propelled asteroids or whatever they were to just take them out. And I was like, damn! Yeah. That thing went down like nothing. So that was a little odd, but I still thought they were cool. Um, so yeah. I know this. I mean, if you want to, if you want to slap your score in it now, we could. Yeah, Mandy I g- and I can wrap our final thoughts up yeah. into our. I gave the first season a four and a half out of five, and I think that this one is, it's essentially the same thing. You know, it's just a different section of the story because I realize that this is just one big story being told in pieces. Um, oh yeah. But um, you know, I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it um. Uh, I think of something witty. You know, I just don't know. How about um. For, uh, Yang Wen, Yang Wen Lee's. For, give me as much brandy as you can fit in that damn. You know, give me a little bit of tea with my brandy out of five. Yeah, there you go. Approve. You can go, Mason. Uh, yeah. So I was just going to touch on earlier. Uh, the opening of the first season was uh, "Binary Star" by Hiroyuki Sawano, and uh, I often like talk in life about how like there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure. Like if you like something like it like don't feel guilty uh all of Sawano's works is a guilty pleasure for me it is so like formulaic and basic but I still love it every single time and this opening I'm so glad they brought it back because it sounds so big and so good and uh, I just love the opening of this show so much um the OST proper uh it was big and sweeping but I can't say it was all that memorable so the music was suitable but i wouldn't recommend like i'm not gonna be like going out to get the ost anytime soon um at the end of the day there was like at least one quote in every episode that like really stuck with me Mm -hmm. um from like talking about how like you know in war there's things more valuable than life but outside the war nothing is more valuable like just the thoughts of the universe like this show is about not politics it's not about space battles it's about the people and the Mm -hmm. show continues to excel at that point um i think i found this season better than season one only because there was less like obvious like setting the groundwork like we were already like into the plot more so it was less of a waiting for things to get going um i kind of 
at the end of the day, I feel this is a lot like the last space opera that we reviewed, the original space battleship Yamato, which is like you have two versions of a franchise and this just isn't the superior one. Um, it lacks some of the humanity, it lacks some of the depth, and I just inherently prefer that one. But I can't deny that this adaptation is doing a good job, and it's an excuse to talk about this franchise that I love so much, and at the end of the day, I can't complain with that. Um, just to make, make things brief, I'm going to give it the same score that I gave the first season, uh, three and a half Barbarossas out of five. Barbarossas? Hmm. Yeah, no, the same. I, I prefer the original. I think the original did certain scenes better, and there are more um, additional scenes in there to flesh out character motivations, especially with Reinhard. There are a lot of scenes in there that give a little bit more depth to Reinhard's, um, to his motivations. And uh, yeah, like I, I thought the OP was pretty good. I like the OP in this one, but I do think the classical music in the original is better. But of course, yeah. we are in modern times, so I understand the changes that, that they are making. But um, yeah, I, I still think... In both the original and this one, the weakest part of Legend of the Galactic Heroes is the Earth Cult. We didn't talk about them because we get to see only little hints here and there and what the Earth Cult is. I don't like them and I wish that the whole series would take them out. But yeah, overall, I still think they're doing a really good job just adapting the novels. Um, and I do like... I, we didn't talk about uh, Oscar's hair. They changed his hair a lot. He looks so much different. Everyone looks less like noticeable, like or distinct, I should say. I think he looks more distinct in this one than the original. <laughs> you see that hair? That hair is yeah. gorgeous. <laughs> Look, everybody, everybody has fantastic hair in this. That's true. But uh, yeah, no, I, I'm still enjoying it. And when they, if they bring out more, I will definitely watch that. And you guys should check it out. Like on Mal, I think only like. 800 people put down this season. Yeah. I was like, what? No one's watching this? What's wrong with you? They're all behind, Maybe probably. they've all seen the original, though. I think. Yeah, I, I wish. I think they're overwhelmed by it. Uh, probably. It is yeah. a very um, intimidating series to get into. I, I understand that. But, yeah, you should just give it a shot. And uh, I will give it... What am I going to give it? Four, four space battle axes out of five. There you go. <laughs> I love my space battle axes. It's pretty tough, yeah. to, pretty tough to get people to watch stuff from, the, what is this, like late 70s? Yeah. And, uh, you know. Uh, late 80s. Late 80s, 90s. Oh, mm -hmm. I missed the whole decade. Holy shit. It's not, yeah. it's not that old. It's not that old. It looks good. I mean. Enzo, what you got? <laughs> um, and, yeah, for my final thoughts on Legend of the Galactic Heroes, um, it looks pretty good. Thanks. <laughs> you could have watched all of it during this uh, episode. Yeah. Anyway, uh, listener score averaged out to a four and a half, and that has done it for episode five, two, one. Gil Haku needs you each of the Anime Addicts Anonymous mm. podcast. We talked about the One Punch Man movie. We talked about uh, we had S. Donnelly going down to the wire with those music. Oh, shit, yeah. We talked about some manga. We talked about me. some Outlaw Star. We passed some mm. seasonal shows. We mm. ran long. Like we always do. But even then, if you want more of us, we have bonus content. Come check us out. If you want even more, come to Discord. If you want even more, we have our own uh, Twitters. People, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me at Enzo Badia on Twitter and Instagram. E-N-Z-O-B-A-D-I-A. -A. Come talk. I am at AAA underscore Mandy with an I. I'm looking to change my Twitter handle because it's just a chore. But someone took my name and all the other names I wanted, so I'm still trying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Mets, where can people find you? At Pope Mitsugi. I was Pope Exotic for a while. Lol. But I have reclaimed my title of Pope Mitsugi. <laughs> Good. Just go to aapodcast.com, click on the links, find everything you want, and we will see you again next week. Thanks so much for hanging out. Have a good see you one. later, boys. Peace Bye. out. Bye. Yang Peace. gang. Stay safe out oh, there. Hell yeah, Yang for life. Don't be pulling that on Yang me. Yang for life. R.I.P. <laughs> my man. Yang, Wedley's better. <laughs> Bye-bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Looking sexy in that beret. Hell yeah.